in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy Hart. With me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Bada bing, bada boom, Andy. Wow. Hey, Art. Hey, I got a question hey. for you. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not taking any questions at this time. Uh, you could talk to my lawyer, whose oh. name is also Art Stone. Hi, I'm Art Stone's lawyer. <laughs> wow. Hi, Art Stone, Esquire. <laughs> Art, uh, let me ask you a question about your client. Um, just kind of curious, want to set the record straight here. How sexy did your client feel that Luann was drawn on King of the Hill? <laughs> what? How sexy did your client Uncle feel Hank. Luann was drawn on King of the Hill? How sexy did your client feel that Luann was drawn on King of the Hill? Um, I don't know. Not very sexy, I think. Um, but maybe. I think everyone can agree on that, you know, that, that there, there's a lot of jokes in King of the Hill, too, about Luann being like really attractive and not and, and like not understanding how attractive she is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a reason why you're asking my client about this? No. Okay. Just a fact finding mission. <laughs> uh, who if your client could fuck any cartoon character? Wait, living, living what are or these dead, questions for my clients? Living or dead. <laughs> Any cartoon character, living or dead. Easy. Bugs Bunny. Okay. <laughs> Bugs Bunny Which dressed Bugs... up as a girl bunny. Okay, yeah. Bugs Bunny dressed as a girl bunny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very classic art lust target. Bugs Bunny dressed as a girl. Okay. Well, uh, hey, thanks for that information, Artstone Esquire. Uh, very good to get to know a little more information about your client. What about Andy? What about me? Yeah. What about me? Yeah, you. Um, let's see. Most fuckable cartoon character. Ooh, it's got to be Bighorn Link Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, because <laughs> you know that he, I've seen him paddle a dog, and that's what I want. <laughs> I want to get paddled like that. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's a good question. I'll have to come back to you on this. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I wasn't prepared to talk about which cartoon character I wanted. Yeah, neither was my client. <laughs> well, you know, life comes at you fast, uh, Artstone Esquire. Um, you know, would your client be willing to come back and do this show with me? Wait, what? Artstone Esquire, Artstone's attorney. Yeah, yeah. Would your client be willing to do this podcast with me, or do um, I have to do it with you? You know, I think we'll have to see what, what my client's schedule is. Like. Okay, well, we've got a very... He's a very busy man. Well, we've got a great episode lined up for the Bunk Funk. Let's here. find out what the episode is, and then we'll see if he comes back. Uh, we're actually... I'm going to be teaching... 
I was going to be teaching your client about a topic that was submitted to us mm-hmm. by a bunk funker, okay. a beloved bunk funker, a proud patron of the show. One of the adults who listens to this show in well, their free time. Yeah, one of the adults who listens to the show in their free time and then has chosen to become a patron of the show. An adult by the name of Jeremy G. Jeremy G. Jeremy. Jeremy G. Yeah, this was sent in by Jeremy. The topic. G, how wonderful, Jeremy G. Yeah, Jeremy is wonderful. G. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. This is Art Stone Esquire making these jokes, not yeah, Art Stone. Yeah. Jeremy the OG. Uh Jeremy is uh a longtime bunk funker. Yeah, uh, pretty long. Longtime patron. And probably about twenty, maybe twenty-five feet long. Uh, a multi yeah, he's at least twenty feet long. Multi award winner. Jeremy is an EGOT. Yep, he's an EGOT. He suggested a multitude of topics for the show, and today is one of those topics. It's the topic is energy vortices. Wow, which you may also hear referred to as vortexes. And so, is this like, um, are these like tornadoes? Well, we're gonna get into it. This is gonna be part of the the research. So I think, yeah, but just up top, because you know, you say the word vortices. And it's like my client might not understand it. Think of it as swirling energy. It's like a tornado of energy. Swirling dervishes? Yeah, but of energy. It's like a sword dance? Yeah, but without swords, with energy. Okay. So like just, but like what are, we do, what are we doing with the energy? Well, it affects your body and your spirit hmm. and your mind. Wow. Well, if you're, Bunkfuckers, if you're like Artstone Esquire and you can't <laughs> wait to learn more about energy vortices... I what you can fifth. do is you can swirl your podcasting app, check the show notes, Yeah, there will be a timestamp, and you can just swirl yourself into the future and pick up right where the research begins. Because wow. first, I have to tell you about what I've been up to this past week, and Art's legal representation will share what they're able to about what he's been up to That's this past right. Week. We're going to plead the fifth all day long. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> fifth meal. <laughs> yeah. We're going to plead the fifth meal. Taco Bell. think is breakfast. Taco Bell added another meal between fourth meal and breakfast. Taco Bell. Stop adding meals. I can't eat anymore. Shut up, motherfucker. Eat this chalupa. Eat this fucking chalupa. (laughs) The Mexican pizza. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. Doritos Locos. (laughs) Doritos Locos. So Art and I, beefers, this past the beefs. week, um, we, you know, Art and I are creative types, right? We're very creative. We're very creative. We're we're very funny. Um, we're skilled artists. And we have a lot of, I think, insight and knowledge that we could share, especially with younger people. Oh, yeah. So we decided to take advantage of a great opportunity. And we became college professors at a local community college at uh, Mossy Creek Community College. My client likes to give back. Yeah, my client likes to give back to people, and as as you do as well, and and mm-hmm. it's 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 something to help the community. It's like we've achieved so much in our lives in the realm of writing, in the realm of you know teaching you bunk funkers about all these topics of Mister Bunkers, and um, th- you know we just they, they've achieved so. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually gonna go get my client. Uh, right now, I'm going to go get him and then you bring him be, in. You seem to be like blurring the lines of identity here. You seem to be mistaking yourself for your client. I don't know why you would say that. I don't see it that way at all. I think that's a that's a misrepresentation of me and my client. Uh, and I, in fact, I'm going to I think I'm going to sue you for libel. Oh, well, OK. Get in line. 
I'm also going to sue you for the Bible. Yeah. Well, get in line. I stole that Bible fair and square. I'm never giving it back. Well, that's not what that's not what uh, the Holiday Inn says. I stole that Bible from the Holiday Inn. I also stole stole the first ever printed Bible <laughs> from like the fucking uh, Gutenberg. Yeah, the Gut- Gutenberg Bible. Gutenberg Bible. I stole the Gutenberg Bible. Mm. Uh, I stole the Bible from Holiday Inn. Yeah, and I've libeled just about everybody I've ever talked to. All right, I'm gonna go get my client now. Okay. Hey, what's up? It's me, Art. Oh, hi, Art. Welcome back to I see the show. You were talking to my lawyer. Yeah, I was talking to your lawyer. He, uh, I look. I don't want to say that he's not good legal. I think it's a character that'll come back. Yeah, it seems. I think likely. that's what you're about to say. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he will be back, but I just want to say, like, be careful with this guy. Okay. Why? I don't want to question his legal representation, but Andy having counsel is really important. I think that he's trying to steal your identity. Mm, I don't know. I, I I think he's a good guy. He kept saying "we," referring to me and him. It's the right. As if it's something that it's we the do. legal we. The legal we? Yeah, the legal we. I thought that was when you like took a piss in a courtroom. The legal we. I, that's what I thought. I, said, oh. I, I also thought it was the the we, the Nintendo we that they have mm, in the courtroom break yeah. room. Yeah. But it turns out that's just, they call that the courtroom we. Oh. This is the legal we. Well, what did I do? Did I just piss in a courtroom? Yeah, you exposed your penis. Oh. Well. You have indecent exposure is what you yeah. did. I did get my wrist and other things slapped for that, so <laughs> I guess I did my time. Yeah. Anyway, but, we were teaching at a college. Yeah, that's what I was just telling the beefers about. Is are we telling we, the beefers about it? Yeah, how we became community college professors at Mossy Creek Community College. We started up a creative writing course. So, beefers, I don't know if you've ever been in a creative writing class, but you know, it's mostly about helping people unlock their latent talent for writing. Helping them think creatively about. That's right. That's right. Creative writing, college courses. Yeah. If you've never taken a creative writing course. Yep. For you beefers out there who aren't familiar. Basically, the gist of being a creative writing professor is all your students are already creative writers. That's right. We're all creative writers. We're just trying to help teach them strategies, techniques to improve their writing. So they could someday be like us. Yeah, I mean, what more could you ever want than to turn out like how we did? Uh, frankly, I don't know. I think that you'd be asking for a lot if you said, I need more than that, because we've got it pretty good. We, we kind of do. We kind of nailed it. We kind of have it all together, and people are jealous of us, and people constantly talk about how, you know, we're just, we're just professorly types. Right, you know? right. We're the type of people that... We exude knowledge on the topic of creative writing. If you if you if you met us yeah. in person, you'd say these people know a lot about creative writing. So of course, you know, we had our scarves, we had our thick rim glasses, mm-hmm. we had our elbow patched jackets. Yep. Um, and we were ready for cl- for for class. We were wearing sweater vests, mm-hmm. and we, you know, you wear a jacket with a type of pattern. You wear a sweater vest that's got another pattern, and a mm-hmm. shirt underneath. With another pattern, so that there's multiple patterns, it makes you look very scholarly. I was smoking a pipe. That's right. Um, the pipe, the pipe was, it was uh, the pipe was full. I I don't I don't smoke tobacco. Right. So this pipe was just you know full of old papers. <laughs> yeah. So you had a small fire coming out of a pipe. Right. Yeah. It really flared up. I shouldn't have put so much lighter fluid on it. In hindsight, but. Uh, we were smoking pipes. We yeah. asked to put them out, and they were confiscated by the 
dean of Mossy Creek. And, you know, one of the first exercises we tried to lead the class through is writing about what you know. And what better thing could they know than their two very cool, very put-together professors right in front of them? Yeah. Right? This is the mistake that a lot of young writers make, is trying right. to write about things that they don't know about. They're not ready yet. And when you start to try and write about things you don't know anything about, you come off as inauthentic. Right. It makes you... It's obvious from what you write that you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Because if somebody who has knowledge of the subject reads it, they're going to say, clearly, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Clearly, they don't know what they're talking about. So we had to kind of ground them a little bit. This is our first assignment is to ground these students, get them focused on what they do know about. And they know about us because we did make them read our autobiographies before they did anything in class. That was the very first assignment, really, was read our autobiographies. And so they know everything about us. So we said, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a prompt. Just a sentence. Take this prompt and you write anything. That's right. And the prompt was, I like my professors because. And we got some, um, there were some interesting results, I would say. Yeah, you know, I was expecting things... Uh, you know, we, these are young students. They're not. They're not at our level yet for cert for certain. And um, you know, the, the we I didn't expect anybody to wax poetic about uh, you know, how we are muses to them. But right. um, yeah, one of the students wrote, know. Uh, you know, a story about a man who's bad at everything. <laughs> yeah, and- a lot of comparisons to like, you know. Uh, Lenny from uh, Of Mice and Men. Right. A lot of comparisons to Dr. Frankenstein's monster from Mary right. Shelley's Frankenstein. Or the the victim of gluttony from the movie Seven. You remember that one? The guy that was forced to eat all that spaghetti? <laughs> Except it was very clear from the stories that this was the character's choice and yep. he wasn't being forced to do it. Yep. And that even though... It kept saying over and over again, this seems a lot like the plot of Seven, but just to reiterate, this character specifically chose to do this to themselves and yeah. is not being forced in any way. One one of the responses, I mean, the prompt, they took it in a very strange direction. We should have probably put a word like limit on it, like where we said you have to hit a certain number of words. Right. Uh, because they took the prompt and it was... I. I like, what was the prompt again? I like my... I like my professors because. I like because my professors because, and they just wrote, I don't. Yeah. And someone else wrote, I like my professors because I have the knowledge that they will be dead at some point in the future. Which I thought was extreme. Yeah, you don't know the future. Right. We could... Medical technology And then on the back of the page, it says, no, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, they... Headed us off at the pass with that one, I guess. Yeah, fucking dunked on us there. So look, we took these first results. The it's obvious that the class needed a lot more work than we were thinking. Not a lot of diamonds in the rough here. Let's just say it's a bad semester. Right. We got right. a bad cohort here. It's like, I guess these were creative, but they weren't good stories. <laughs> I can't see people wanting to read these. So for our second assignment, we tried, we tried something a little bit different. We thought, you know what? Okay. These folks are very creative. It's really hard to get them grounded talking about what they know about. So let's go a little bit out there, maybe. Give them something. Maybe they can sink their teeth into a little more. So the second prompt we gave them was 
hunky astronaut creative writing professors. And we said, hey, write us at least a six-page story Yeah, on the prompt. Let's get a little... Hunky astronaut creative writing professor. Let's yeah, let's try and expand their vocabulary a little bit, get them to use some metaphor, some simile, yeah. some motif. Yeah. Please. Wow. Okay, yeah. A little motif would be nice. The fucking Philistines we have in this course? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's like let's let's think about some literary ways of saying things instead of just saying what you mean. Like saying, you know, you don't have to say yeah. that somebody is a fat, unintelligent slob covered in mustard. You could say something a little more literary, like he looks like an unmade bed. Right. And you don't have to say somebody is a, you know, a, a fucking scrawny, um, uh, insane person who can't speak English very well. Yeah. You don't have to say those things. No, you don't have to. You can you can let the character reveal them through their actions. Right. Let talk about the character's actions. And you don't have to say Very that good. characters are serial narcissists. That's not fun. It's not in- entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to say. I don't even want to bring up the word serial narcissist because then they'll do a fucking ten minute riff on the word serial, pretending that it's an actual. God, don't even get them started on serial mascots, which is a topic I think they enjoy talking about. The only thing they enjoy talking about more than themselves. Then they'll start talking about which which mascot likes itself the most, which mascot is the biggest narcissist. And then At inevitably point, it felt like a little bit like a suggestion box for the class. It really did. And 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 you know, these stories about these hogged out astronauts, it's like you know, they obviously they went in weird directions where they're talking about people like Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong and like all these other fucking guys. And right. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. None of these guys were. This is not creative. Community just, college creative writing. Right. People. Right. Neil Armstrong was a college professor, but not creative writing. No. So I, it's obvious that this class just didn't seem to be getting it. He wasn't creative at all. Couldn't carry a fucking tune to save his life. No, he couldn't. He couldn't carry a tune if he had a whole spaceship. So the the responses to the prompt, again, were very lackluster. We got a lot of, you know, the characters dying in space. Um, we got a lot of missions failing because of the incompetence of the astronauts. Right. Which obviously was not the gist of the the prompt. It was about hunky, successful astronauts. Right. Who just also happened to be writing professors. Right. So Look, we had to we had to switch up our strategy again. It was time to rethink how we were doing things because this class is how do we reach these kids? How do we reach these kids? So we thought, all right, let's let them have their own prompt. Yeah. You come up with your prompts, we'll write the story. Right. We'll show you how it's done. And it was weird. It was like the class had this collective hive mind which made our little eyebrows go up piqued our little interests puffing on our little open flame pipes our pipes stuffed with newspaper our little eyebrows are up our glasses we were wearing glasses we pulled the glasses down the bridge of our nose ever so slightly oh 
The class is having a hive mind moment. Maybe there's something here. Maybe we finally reach these keys. In some sense, you you the cohesion is a good thing, right? Because then you feel like, okay, we don't have a bunch of individual students to reach. Right. We can we can come up with one strategy to reach them all. So and the hive mind the prompt right. that we got back um was this is how Mr. Bunker captured Andy and Art this week. I um, mean, we'd be lying to you beefers if we told you that we hadn't mentioned the podcast every five minutes during class. Yeah. So it was no surprise that it might come up in a topic like this, but mm -hmm. I think it was the near unanimous proposing of this as a prompt that was pretty interesting. So, well, you know, as it turns out, the, um, the walls of Mossy Creek Community College were actually, you know, we, 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 we were a little startled and we said, you know what, let's take a five minute break. Yeah. As you do in a classroom. Right. We took a little five minute recess. Anytime, we, anytime. we told the class to take a recess. We made them go to the playground at Mossy Creek Community College. And we thought we got to really think about this. So we tried to go to the teacher's lounge, which inevitably, you know, we had been to, asked, we had been asked not to go there, admittedly. But it turned out that the teacher's lounge was, uh, of course, the bunker. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bunker was the entire class. Right. Of creative writing for Hogged Out Chads 169 at Mossy Creek Community College. Yeah. He was the entire class. He was, he was like one of those, tre those trees that yeah. where the roots Right. Grow and they sprout other trees, and so there's like a whole grove of trees that's just one single organism. Sure, it was like him. That was like him, but with these students. In hindsight, we should have seen the signs. The students were all chain smoking. They were all eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> they were all buff. They were all super buff. <laughs> they were all really terrible at creative writing. We should have seen the signs, but... We should have seen the signs. I guess we were too blinded by trying to reach these kids. We were trying to reach these kids, trying to teach, trying to give back. I get, That just goes to show you, don't give back. Yeah. Don't help out. No good deed goes unpunished. You know what? You got to look out for number one. That's right. Don't try to help others. Don't try to let other people benefit from your knowledge and your experience. Because you won't you won't get paid back. So, uh, yeah, that's how we got captured this week, punk funkers. So, Not, um, you know. Yeah. What a shame. What a shame. We had such a good class. We had so many great ideas. Yeah. But I think I'm turned off from teaching altogether now. I don't think yeah. I can ever go back. No, I don't think I will either. You know, I just I just think the youth of today just aren't ready. No. They're too soft. They're just not ready for our kind of crazy, out-of-the-box teaching styles. They're too structured. I mean, the modern education system has ruined them. They, yeah. they All they can think about is standardized tests. We didn't want them to check in the box. Yeah. We now wanted them to write something with their hearts. Yep. Clear hearts, open minds, eyes uncovered, can't lose. Yep. Open. Open sores. We want to hat off. Hat off. Hat off. Socks on. Tie up. Open casket. Can't lose. 
we just wanted him to come into this with an open mind. And it turned out that it was one single. It was one single mind. One person. The most closed mind in history. Well, so, you know, um, speaking of one mind, we have one bunker alarm. Yeah, we do have. We have. We have <laughs> Very simple segue. It's just a number. Yeah. One <laughs> one to one relationship here between number of minds and number of bunker alarms today. We have. We're going to be ringing the bell for uh, a bunk funker who has actually um, been in the Discord for a little while now. That's right. And has recently um, said, gimme, gimme more content <laughs> and upgraded their their level of, uh, That's right. of patronship. So yep. um, we are giving a hearty bunker alarm today to the life of a watch. Life of a watch. Uh, watch. Known I mean, friendlily, colloquially, colloquially in the discord as watch. That's right. Watch. Watch. Thank Thank you. Watch. Thank you. We hope you're enjoying the content. That's right. Uh, The appreciate 40 plus hours of bonus Patreon only content behind the scenes, (laughs) behind the scenes, the behind the scenes content (laughs) that's available, uh, you know, available behind the screens for only $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker pod. That's right. So, Watch, in honor of you being such a great patron of this show, we're going to fire up the old Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. Wow. And we're going to ring it for you. We're going to ring it. So I'm going to go ahead and get this thing started. Um, It's got a, uh, it's got one of these turn key ignitions. (laughs) Does it now? Ooh. Mm. Sounds like the carburetor. Yeah. Yeah, probably going to. Have this taken to the mechanic shop yeah, this week. Yeah, the drive shaft. The belt. Other parts of the piston. Oh, and he's giving it a little bit of gas. There he goes. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like a lawnmower. There it's, yeah, it's it's going good. All right. Um, so watch. I don't know if you're familiar with the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000, but what this machine does is it helps us. It guides us. Through the powers of electromagnetic radiation, it guides us to an alarm that best fits your personality as a human being. That's right. So without any other information about you, this the Bunk Tank Bunker Alarm will find an alarm that's perfect for you. So I'm just going to let it do its thing. I'm going to... What I have to do is put my hand on it. Okay. And this creates a connection between me... Okay, so, but there's a thing that says that touch, don't touch it might be hot. Caution. Yeah, but it's Surface not, gets hot. Yeah, it's not that hot yet, though. Okay. But you put your hand here, okay, and then it makes a electrical connection between me and the machine and the floor, uh-huh. which is connected to the earth. So then it goes and finds whoever is the subject. Oh, okay. So it should start working here. Smelling something burning. It's not that hot! <laughs> God damn it, it's so fucking hot! Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, I'm just going to fucking push a button. Okay. Uh, Fuck my hand. Yeah, it's you have a third degree burn Fuck. on your hand. I'm going to have to put some neosporin on this. Fuck. I think we're out. We only have Trinity sporin. Maybe we could get you some Morpheus sporin. No neosporin. Can I get some Agent Smith sporin? 
No, we're out of that too. Fuck this. Fuck this machine. Piece of shit. The machines. They won. The machines won. They won. They melted my fucking hand. <laughs> it's my hand I used to joik off. <laughs> All anyway, right, well, we got to get through this bunker line, though, Andy. Yeah, you got to no. wait. I'll have to Sorry. fix my hand later. Fix your hand later. So watch. This bunker alarm is for you in three, two, one. Beautiful. Fuck, my hand hurts. Yeah, watch. <laughs> Thanks for being a patron of this show. We Thank are you. Watch. so grateful for your support. That's right. We hope you enjoyed that bunker alarm. I'm just going to shut the machine down. You fucking piece of shit. God, fucking damn it. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, Andy. He's shaking it. Anyway, the machine's turned off now, fucking thing. It's like that time that Kit Kat wouldn't come out of the vending machine. Oh, my God. That fucking machine. Andy was got trapped under it by shaking it. <laughs> Well, if they put them in there and they won't come out, what the fuck are you supposed to do? I'm not some, I'm not some octopus. I can just stick my lenticle up there and grab it. I got to do something. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is, man. I needed that Kit Kat. You just got to hang tight, though. We got to come through for the beef. I needed a break. Okay. Almost broke off a piece of your arm trying to get that thing out of the vending machine. Fucking thing was kind of melted too. Stale temperature control fucking machine. <laughs> Masioke Community College. Yeah, Masioke, man. What was it? Masioke or was it Massa Creek? Oh, yeah, Massa Creek. I guess Masioke Community College is fine. But I swear to God, if I ever go there and a vending machine falls on me again, I'll be fucking pissed. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we have. Watch. Thanks for your support. Yeah. Thank you, watch. We have such a great episode on tap for you today, Beefers. Watch, you're going to love this. Uh, Beefers, you're going to love this. We're going to be talking about energy vortices here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Shwoop! Uh, hey, quick question for you right at the top here. Okay. Just answer this to the best of your ability uh-huh. in whatever way makes the most sense to you, okay? What is energy? What is energy? Um it is like the um ATP. It's like the molecular fucking building block that we convert into various states of matter right you have potential energy kinetic energy heat sound uh that's it (laughs) that's it wow not bad not bad and then we can convert it it just gets moved around into different forms but it always stays the same all right all right that's the states of matter i don't fucking know all right well it's a good it's a good attempt i'm not an egghead well yeah i know So here's how the Encyclopedia Britannica, written by eggheads, 
describes energy. Quote, in physics, the capacity for doing work, it may exist in potential, kinetic, thermal, electrical, chemical, nuclear, or other various forms. There are, moreover, heat and work, that is, energy in the process of transfer from one body to another. After it has been transferred, energy is always designated according to its nature. Hence, heat transfer may become thermal energy, while work done may manifest itself in the form of mechanical energy. End quote. So, based on this definition, I would say I have no energy because I have no capacity for doing work. I'm completely ineffectual (laughs) and worthless Uh and only a drain on everything and everyone I come into contact with. I believe it. But the scientific definition of energy isn't the only extant definition of the word energy. In a more esoteric sense, Art, practitioners of various uh, forms of spirituality and alternative medicine refer to a variety of claimed experiences and phenomena as being due to so-called energy or quote-unquote force that defy any sort of scientific measurement and so are distinguished because of that from the scientific form of energy. So this is something that's a lot different than the capacity for doing work. This is like a, a, a sense or a force that flows through everything that is, that exists, and connects all things. Wow, right? okay. So a little bit like an Akashic record, but more like an energy Right, record. Akashic is, you know, based Knowledge. on kind of the energy of everything. Energy. So, so the second kind of energy, this more esoteric energy, that's the focus of our topic today. Specifically, we're talking about places where there's a vortex of such energy. All right, so let's start with a logical first question. What is an energy vortex? Like a big old fucking, uh, when Goku does the spirit bomb, he get, he says, he says, give people of earth or wherever they are, give me your energy and all the little aminals and the fucking plants and all mm-hmm. the bullshit. They send energy to Goku and he has to build a spirit bomb for fucking eight episodes straight. Yeah. While all the other People like Krillin and Gohan and fucking Piccolo and Yamcha and Tien and fucking even maybe even Bulma. I think it's in there. Master Roshi, fucking, uh, fucking, um, uh, that fucking, um, the dude that you are, who is the the little traveling Ronin who has a monkey tail, um, and is just really lazy and eats a lot and is scared of everything. Vegeta, when he turns good, they all have to battle Frieza or fucking Cell in his various forms or Boo in his various forms. That's what you mean, right? That's an energy vortex. That's what you're about to say. When I first became aware of Dragon Ball Z, I really thought dragon, that it was Dragon, dragon Balls. Dragon, dragon Ball. See, they are Dragon's Balls. Right. But I thought that just the name of the show was Dragon Balls. There's Dragon Ball. It started with Dragon Ball. Right. And then it turned into Dragon Ball Z. Right. Then you got Dragon Ball fucking Budokai, Gaijin fucking Tokyo Drift. You know, you got yeah. tons of fucking Dra- shit now. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball 7. When it starts with Dragon Ball and then it turns into Dragon Ball Z. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Well, Dragon Balls. Yeah, this is what exactly what we're talking about. Today's we're talking about Dragon Ball. Today's episode is about Dragon Ball. So we're going to talk about drinking, eating sensu beans and going to a hyperbolic time chamber. 
training for a hundred years, but it's actually only ten minutes. Right. That's exactly. What we're gonna talk about. Yes. Exactly. And Gohan's dad dies fighting Frieza, so then he goes into the spirit world where he hangs out with like all the fucking masters that are up there, and then he has to train and like find his way back to Earth. That's yeah. What we're gonna talk. That's about? that's what we're talking about. Okay. Good. Well, I figured it out. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the episode. Beefers, <laughs> hope you enjoyed this trip through the. I'm assuming this is like ley lines. I'm assuming this is like there are fucking points all over the world where there's certain better connections to energy than other points. I'll tell you, you're onto something here with this one. So, okay. Um, to t- to answer the question though, what is an energy vortex? Um, think of it this way: a physical vortex. So, uh-huh. a vortex in our world is when a gas or a liquid moves in a circular direction, swirling around a center point. Okay. So like think about tornadoes, whirlpools, um, cyclones. These are all physical vortices, right? Tornadoes. So yeah, I said tornadoes, didn't I? Did you? Didn't I say tornadoes? I don't know. I wasn't big at Bunk Bunkers, uh, check me out here. I think I said tornadoes. Tornadoes. No, well, I didn't say it that way because Tornado potatoes. Makes me feel weird. But tornadoes, uh, I did say. So I just want to clear one thing up here. Vortices. By the way, is the correct plural of vortex, although it is acceptable to use the more common plural form of vortexes. Um, vortexes? So, vortexes. Everything's bigger in vortexes. Everything's swirlier in vortexes. Vortexes. <laughs> I've seen some Rule 34 vortexes. <laughs> Where te- Texas eats all the other states. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, during the episode, I'm probably going to use both vortices and vortexes. Yeah. Um, and Lord knows, Art probably can't pronounce either one. Nope. So just know that Lord whether we no, say no, vor- no. vortices or vortexes, we're talking about the plural of a vortex, okay? Got it. All right. So an energy vortex now is believed to be a special spot on the Earth where energy is either uh, coming into the Earth or coming out of the Earth. So it's either a place of where energy is like cycling through or blasting forward. So it's thought that vortex energy moves in a spiral up or down. Uh, The energy fields swirl like what you would see in a whirlpool. So this all leads me to believe that energy vortexes are best described as kind of like energy hot tubs. Hell yeah. Right? So the vortices here on Earth are similar to uh, the energy centers in our bodies, which are called chakras. So these vortexes hold uh, electromagnetic properties, which contribute to the harmony between all life forms on the planet. Uh, in fact, some people even believe that the Earth itself has its own chakras, hmm. uh, seven central points or portals of awakening. Yeah. So one, one common belief with respect to energy vortices is that they exist at the intersection of Ley lines. Wow. Uh, or at the random lines of natural energy that make up the Earth's electromagnetic field. So you can check out, if you want more information on ley lines, you can check out our episode uh, if you want to get the whole enchilada on that topic. Uh, but all the vortexes on Earth uh, connect to each other depending on their type. So whether they're electrical, magnetic, or electromagnetic. And this just forms this grid all around the planet, okay? Everything's connected. Energy vortices are believed to have powerful spiritual properties or be highly conductive to spiritual activities like prayer, meditation, and healing. 
They are also often associated with heightened psychic awareness and ability. A lot of vortices are reported to bring feelings of peace, harmony, balance, and tranquility, while others are thought to promote personal reflection, deep insight, and a clear mind. Hmm. Uh, vortices are also considered to be amplifiers. So that basically means that if you're in an energy vortex, that will amplify the feelings you already have. And some other vortexes are like centers of emotional or physical rejuvenation. So wow. healing, not just physical, but also spiritual. Um, so bunk bookers, I think we can just say that art and I want to stay as far away from these places as possible. <laughs> We're the naughty boys of podcasting. That's right. And we can't afford to have deep reflection or spiritual clarity. Get in the way of that. That's exactly right. We wouldn't be the naughty boys of podcasting anymore. Yeah, we wouldn't be the fucking uh, podcast outlaws yeah. that we are today. We're a couple of fucking desperados. We're black dusters, black hats, mm -hmm. black fucking, boots, fucking cool ass big belt buckles, big belt buckles and bandoliers yep. full of Cheetos and other cool snacks. Yeah, little vials of uh, hot sauce, Dr. Pepper. Hot sauce. Yeah, we're like that guy, the, the TikTok guy that has the hot sauce bandolier. Jesus Christ. He's got like a utility belt full of hot sauce. I've never seen that guy. He's like the Batman of hot sauce. I was thinking more like Blues Traveler before he lost all the weight. Yeah, yeah. You're before Blues Traveler and I'm I mean, after Blues after, Traveler. Yeah. <laughs> but the number of guns is the same. Yeah. Come on and give me the runs around. It's a surefire way to heat up the toilet. When all that spicy food's got me down in low. <laughs> yeah, we're fucking badasses. We're badasses. So we don't want to get in the way of being badasses. Yeah, if we went to one of these vortices, we'd, I mean, it would just be like, it'd just be way too cool for school. Yeah, we would, <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't handle this. So like an old school Jinko jeans ad. You wouldn't be able to handle it. But let's say you're not like us beefers, okay? Yeah. Let's say you do want to pursue peace, love, and understanding. If you did, we certainly wouldn't see anything funny about it. But where would you go to strip down to your skivvies and jump into one of these hot, swirling energy hot tubs? Oh, yeah. Where would you go? Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay. Energy vortices are found all over the world. Vortices are still being discovered today because there is little, or, there is little scientific or mathematical ability to measure or discover these locations. Instead, we have to rely on people's feelings and experiences to identify where these places are. So we're going to tell you about some of the, well, I'm going to tell you about some of the um, hottest hotspots hot spots. for energy vortexes. And I'm going to do it easily because beloved beefer and proud patron Jeremy even provided a list of prominent energy vortices for wow. us to look into. So I think a logical place to start here is gave Vort trip advisor. Yeah. Fuck you. Trip advisor. We got, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Kayak. We yeah. got Jeremy. Yeah. We got Jeremy. He's a travel agent. He's our travel agent. <laughs> He's a proud patron, also our travel agent. <laughs> so I think a good place to start is with a vortex that Jeremy actually visited. Whoa. I, and I'm going to, uh, we're going to, we have a review from Jeremy. Once we get through all the oh information on this vortex, we're going to give Jeremy's review on it. So, uh, this vortex is in the great state of Arizona, specifically in Sedona. Mm, sunshine state. 
Yeah, the Sunshine State, Arizona, more sunshine than anywhere on Earth all year round. So um, Sedona is known for its natural beauty and its beautiful hot dogs that roam the streets freely because they don't have to be on a leash there. Um, There's canyons and forests dotting the landscape. Um, Sedona is a big time destination for hiking, biking, camping, and all sorts of outdoor activities. Uh, I've been near there. Wow. Where? Tucson. Oh. Which I think is a little bit away from Sedona. Okay. So I know what I, I am familiar with what we're talking about. Somewhat. Uh, What's your opinion of the landscape? I thought it was neat. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Very cool. Making some progress here. (laughs) So Sedona is not just known for its outdoor activities and its natural beauty. Um, but it's also known as a place for inside activities, such as introspection, looking inside okay. yourself. Yeah, doing peyote and hanging out in a campground. I get it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, Native Americans believe that spiritual transformation can occur more quickly and easily in Sedona because the veils to other dimensions are thinner there. In fact, in August of 2017... A YouTube. I mean, is a thick veil a blanket? When does a veil just become a blanket? Like veils naturally are thin, so we're really talking about like it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like the term veil. I think we're just a veil is thin. I think veil in the sense of how we use it as clothing, mm. but veil in the more general sense is just a barrier. Okay. Semantics. See? Yeah, we're professors. We're professors. We we're breaking down. Creative writing here. I'm sorry. Keep doing. So I want to tell you about thin veils, thin veils between other dimensions. So I want to tell you about something that happened in August of 2017. Okay. What? <laughs> a YouTube user. Oh God. Thank God. Okay. A YouTube user by the name of funky fathead posted a since removed video. Hold on. Where he said he was using a computerized tone generator to open a vortex which was a in his bedroom, which was a portal to Sedona. The video became popular, and another YouTuber named Hidden Underbelly reached out to Funky Fathead, only to find out that Funky Fathead had gone missing. Here's what Hidden Underbelly had to say. Quote, God knows if he has opened a portal, God knows where he is, and God knows if he can get back. End quote. Did Funky Fathead go into a portal and disappear into another dimension? Uh, After visiting Sedona? Maybe. I, I don't know. We don't know. Maybe. So um, keep that story in mind of Funky Fathead disappearing and Hidden Underbelly search for his internet friend, Funky Fathead. Wow. It's a lot to keep up, keep up with here. Um, so some Sedona vortexes are considered to be swirling with what's called feminine energy, sometimes referred to as yin energy. And some with masculine energy or yang energy. And some vortexes have uh, a balance of both. So the Sedona vortex also has subtle energies, which are believed to flow through the human chakras uh, and are tapped into by uh, Reiki practitioners, energy healers, uh, through disciplines like yoga and Qigong. Okay. So visitors to Sedona report not just feeling... Um, emotional things while visiting, but also having physical effects from the energy vortex. So some have described a feeling of a slight tingling on the skin, Ooh. a feeling of vibration wow. coming from the ground, an overall feeling that something is different, um, a tingling sensation at the nape of the neck and shoulders, mm-hmm. 
Uh, so this is one touchy, feely, sexy, erotic vortex. Wow, yeah. Sounds like the last time I was in a hot tub. So Sedona overall is considered to be an energy vortex, okay? But that concept is a little bit newer when in nineteen in the nineteen eighties, a psychic channeler named Paige Bryant first referred to referred to four specific Sedona area locations as energy vortexes. So Paige Bryant identified Airport Mesa, Cathedral Rock, Bell Rock, and Boynton Canyon. Uh, all Boing of which, Canyon, Boynton. Oh, what did you think I said? Boing, 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 Boynton, Boynton. <laughs> Boynton Canyon. Boynton Canyon. Uh, all of which we're going to explore more in depth in a little bit. These sites are believed to be uh, especially energy charged due to the convergence of ley lines at those sites. Some people say there are as many as hundreds of individual energy vortexes in the Sedona area. So um, a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of vortexes. But the point is like all of Sedona is like an energy vortex, but it's a lot. It's a bunch of smaller vortexes. Yeah, it's a congregation of vortices. Right. There's like a concentration of vortices. Vortices. Vorchester sauce. Vorchester sauce. Vortexer sauce. (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit more about Paige Bryant. Uh, Paige Bryant, uh, the psychic channeler. Yeah. Who first used the term energy vortex to refer to Sedona. Uh, Paige studied under Sunbear, who was a self-proclaimed medicine man of Ojibwe descent. Uh, However... Sunbear had no spiritual leadership standing within his own indigenous community and charged $500 per person for spiritual retreats, which were frequently protested and denounced by the American Indian Movement, Hmm. a grassroots organization that fought against racial injustice and inequality. So, you know, I mean, putting it mildly, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding the the first usage of these energy vortexes. Yeah. Nevertheless. Here are some of the main reported vortices in the Sedona area. Uh, first, we've got Cathedral Rock, which is a highly scenic red rock formation. Mm. Oak Creek, uh, where it runs next to Cathedral Rock, is called Red Rock Crossing and is considered a strong energy vortex and is also a sacred area for local Native American tribes. Uh, majestically overlooking the land and Oak Creek, Cathedral Rock is revered by the natives as a home of the gods and the birthplace of the first man and woman. The vortex energy in the area of Cathedral Rock is said by many to be feminine, which will give you feelings of softness, receptiveness, and compassion. The vortex is reported at its strongest right on the creek at its closest point to the Cathedral Rock formation. Wow. So then we'll move over to Bell Rock, which is a huge bell shaped rock hmm. it's bell rock the name says it all it's bell they rock could, could have used our writing class maybe to come up with they could have come name. up with something a little more creative but yeah. it's bell rock uh so bell rock is suppo- supposedly has very strong vortex energy and many people feel the strongest energy is located on bell rock's north slope uh bell rock is one of sedona's best known meditation sites uh, and is viewed by many as an upflow area, which is also referred to as electric or masculine energy, uh, that is best for serenity and solving problems from a higher spiritual perspective. Bell Rock has a lot of history, starting with the Yavapai Indians, um, whose ancestors began roaming the area six centuries ago and thought the Red Rocks were the bodies of 
the bodies and blood of huge monsters, which is pretty cool. It's pretty badass. Uh, the, there's a legend that goes the uh, that a shaman hero. Uh, oh man, I'm gonna probably mispronounce this, but Skedakamacha slew the monsters, and including a giant bird that lived on a mountaintop. Good. Some people, yeah, I know you probably love this guy. This uh, shaman. Yeah, sounds hero. fucking dope. So some people say this giant bird lived uh, on this mountaintop that was actually Bell Rock. Yeah, good. So in great and interestingly, in 1987, more than 5,000 New Age believers gathered at Bell Rock to be a part of the worldwide harmonic convergence. They were waiting for Bell Rock's top to open and reveal a rising spaceship. Hubba 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 hubba, <laughs> baby. <laughs> It's Mardi Gras. Here's some beads, Bell Rock. <laughs> Ringy ding ding. <laughs> so they were waiting for Bell Rock to open up in a spaceship to come out. Naturally. Naturally. So Bell Rock is considered to be a ve- beacon vortex. A vegan beacon? <laughs> I almost said bacon too. <laughs> but a beacon vortex, which uh, provides an opening uh, or a portal to connect Earth with other planets and celestial bodies outside our solar system. So from Bell Rock, people believe Earth sends out energy to the universe and receives it by contributing to a celestial grid, a celestial energy grid. Uh, after Bell Rock, there's Airport Mesa, which is a flat top mountain and also a popular hiking destination. Uh, it's a great place, according to people, to watch the sunrise or the sunset, too. A lot of good views. Sure. I'm sure there's great views in all these spots. Yeah. But it's also a great place to get some masculine energy coursing through you, huh? Whoa, oh, baby. a little test. Uh, and it's also reportedly a great place to cleanse your chakras. Yeah, grab a trend bologna sandwich and drop deuce. Yeah. Cleanse my chakra, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Get, go, go grab my friend An- Anabolic. Yeah, Big Ten Four, buddy. Honk, honk. <laughs> Grab your friend Anabolic, do yeah. a trend bologna sandwich. Yeah, yeah sandwich clean on my chakra, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, clean Drop your deuce. chakra. Yeah. Drop a big fat deuce. Big fat deuce right on top of Airport Mesa. So now we're going to go to Boynton Canyon. Boynton Canyon. Uh, known by art as Boynton Canyon. Boing. Uh, which is a popular hiking trail near Bear Mountain. The Boynton Canyon Vortex is uh, known as a site of balanced energy, so it's got both masculine and feminine energies in it. Um, the Yavapai and Apache hold a Apache hold a spring ceremony every year uh, at Boynton Canyon, where the Great Spirit Mother gave birth to the human race. Okay, so there's some ancient spiritual significance for the site as well. Then we have Chapel of the Holy Cross, which is literally just a church built in the face of a red rock formation. And they have a great lacrosse team. Great lacrosse team, Chapel of the Holy Cross. They call themselves Chapel of the Holy Lacrosse, (laughs) Team of the Holy Lacrosse. But this is really just like, um, it's a church built into the face of a mountain, basically. Yeah. Um, So the chapel itself is clearly a Christian monument. A lot of people think the whole site where the Chapel of the Holy Cross is, is full of feminine vortex energy. So this isn't just a Jesus thing here, okay? Uh, The chapel itself was actually built by a devout student of Frank Lloyd Wright. Whoa! Named Marguerite Brunswick Stoud in 1956. Wow! Legend has it, and let me be clear, by legend I mean lies that I'm making up for comedic effect. Nice! That Marguerite got the idea to build the chapel after feeling the need to repent her sins following a weekend-long orgy at Taliesin West. 
Whoa, Mama! Whoa, Mama! You bunkfuckers know what's up with that. Yeah. We gave uh, Frank Lloyd's fucked up life. We released it from the Patreon behind the scenes vault. So all you beefers got the inside scoop on Frank Lloyd. Whoa, Mama! You also know Whoa, Mama! Whoa, Mama! So then uh, we're moving over to Courthouse Butte, or as I like to call it, Courthouse Butt, which is close to Bell Rock. Uh, the Courthouse Butte Vortex emits an aura of mystery, history, and adventure that a lot of people claim uh, they've experienced deep spiritual transformations through the entering of portals located within the rock. Uh, this vortex is known as one of the strongest catalysts for personal and spiritual growth in the Sedona area. Wow. Wow. Uh, and then finally, we're talking about Schnibbly Hill, which is one of the <laughs> that one got Schnibbly Hill Schnibbly Schnibbly. Something like a a, a a the dorky like the shitty principal in a John Hughes movie. I think principal that Schnibbly. I think that Schnibbly Hill seems like a character in a like droopy dog cartoon. Yeah, yeah I'm Schnibbly Hill. Hello, it's me, Schnibbly. Wow. Whoa, Mama. So Schnebly Hill is one of the lesser known vortexes because it's kind of hard to get to it. So if you make it to the vortex, though, you're treated to great views like a lot of other places in Sedona. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking sick of hearing about the great views. Um, the Schnebly Hill vortex is cleansing and purifying. Uh, for people who are looking to release old negative patterns and blockages, this is where you should go. Uh, all vortexes admit energy, and for those who just wish to feel increased energy and vitality, Schnebly Hill Vortex should help you out. Okay? Okay. So now, there are varying opinions on which is the most powerful Sedona Vortex, because they all have unique energies and affect people in different ways. But a lot of people consider the Boynton Canyon Vortex to be the most powerful overall, but, you know, depending on who you ask, some people will say that Airport Mesa is the most powerful. Mm. Uh, but they're both, they both have a reputation as being pretty strong. So after visiting Sedona, I promised this would happen. After visiting Sedona, Jeremy had this to say about the experience. And I'm quoting Jeremy now. Jeremy spoken the email he sent to us. Yeah, thank you, Art. So here's what Jeremy said. He said, quote, I've actually been to the one in Sedona and it was total bullshit. Or was it? And <laughs> quote, wait, he said that? He said, I've actually been to the one in Sedona and it was total bullshit. Or was it? Huh? Question mark, exclamation point. That's all he said. And quote, it's not really a review, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm going to roast his ass. Was it a fucking review? Well, who are you, us? <laughs> Jeremy's our best student. Yeah, he fucking gets it. He gets it. That's exactly what you would say. So, or was it? You would well, take. You would take both sides. Don't yeah. make a choice. Don't make a choice. That's the important thing about creative writing: is don't let anyone know what you don't make think. choices. Don't make choices and don't have a thesis. <laughs> so, Jeremy might be onto something here, though, right? Because according to Eggheads, there's no actual measured magnetism or energy at these vortexes. Okay. They, can't, they can't measure anything, but. Maybe you aren't. Maybe you are onto something different," says MIT egghead Pete Sanders. For Sanders, Sedona is such a beautiful landscape; it might actually cause the sensations vortex visitors have reported: the high elevation, the deep canyons, the low population density, and the blue skies all over the place. 
all combine to create an optimal environment for relaxation and brain stimulation, says Sanders. According to Pete Sanders, the green of the vegetation signals growth, renewal, and hope to the subconscious. Quote, the red-orange color is caffeine for the higher mind. End Whoa. quote. So, it's kind of an egghead take on it. Kind of. Uh, despite the more scientific approach, Sanders also says that there are areas of quote-unquote upflow and quote-unquote inflow. Upflow sites tend to be at higher elevations. Mountains, bases, pyramid-shaped places like Bell Rock and Airport Mesa where a panoramic visual of the surroundings helps put your place in the universe into different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. According to Sanders, upflow sites, quote, help you with reflections where soaring to a higher perspective is what you want, end quote. On the other side, inflow sites occur in areas closer to the earth, near valleys, canyons, and caves, and help with introspection and contemplation. Mm. Be more thoughtful. Now, if you look at vortexes in terms of upflow and inflow, it follows that you don't actually need to be in Sedona for any of this to work, right? What? Um, just find yourself a site high up or low down to the earth, natural or man-made. Though, if it's man-made, try to pick one with abundance of natural materials. Concrete counts. That's natural material. What? So, if you're in New York City, for example, Pete Sanders suggests going to the Empire State Building. To try to get the most out of whatever site you're visiting, try some meditation while you're That's there. That's fucking bullshit. We've been to the fucking top of the Empire State Building. You can't do shit up there because it's so goddamn windy. <laughs> so fucking windy up there. Yeah. There's people everywhere. Try eh, Fuck, that's bullshit. Fuck you. Wow, guy. Geez. Art coming out hard against I'm putting Pete the Sanders. cart before the horse. Fuck wow. that. Wow. No, no, no. Jeez, okay. You heard it here Were first? Are you going to go underground in the fucking stinky... Waiting for the train. Like, no, fuck that. That's not a fucking meditative place. It's a stressful place. Go meditate in the train station, the subway station. It is not It is not peaceful in those train stations. It is loud. It stinks. Reeks of piss. People everywhere walking around. Stressful. <laughs> you're waiting for the train. Different strokes for different folks. You feel, you feel relaxed when you're waiting for the train. Oh, yeah. The smell of stale piss is my... Rats running around, rats. garbage everywhere. You're at home. Yeah. You're the rat king. Yeah, there's a chance that you could be pissed on by somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's very relaxing for me. But. Fuck that. But beefers, lest you all think that Sedona is the only vortex in the American West, let's slide over to NorCal, Northern California, to a potentially active volcano called Mount Shasta. The volcano was named after a group of local indigenous people and not after my first car, which is what I originally thought. So we can, uh, people come in from all over the place, all over California and everywhere else to climb the snow-capped stratovolcano that is Mount Shasta. They camp in the, nat the national forest around the area and enjoy some of the purest water in California. Oh, some yeah. of the only water in California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a little fun at your expense of your, you know, just dunking complete on drought. Your California. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah. Natural disasters. Welcome natural disasters. What a hilarious riot. So uh, many of Mount Shasta's visitors are people seeking spiritual growth, transcendence, or healing. There are lots of stories, legends, and myths surrounding Mount Shasta, which add to its 
It's a lure and it's mystery, right? Ooh, it's a lure. So Mount Shasta is sort of in this area that goes between the territories of a few different um, American Indian peoples. The Shasta, the Wintu, the Achumawi, the Atsugui, and the Modoc tribes, okay? Okay. They, so it's like in this central kind of area for all these tribes. So not surprisingly, this mountain shows up in a lot of tribal myths and stories. It's especially important to the Wintu tribe who trace their people's origin back to a sacred spring on the mountain. Mm. Now, some Native Americans still today hold important ceremonies at Mount Shasta. And in a kind of similar way, uh, spiritual seekers go to the mountain to experience its power and peace for themselves. Uh, then there are the quote-unquote ascended masters, okay? So in the 1930s, a guy by the name, a businessman by the, guy, the name of Guy Ballard was hiking on Mount Shasta, and he came into contact with a mysterious figure who claimed to be a ascended master. The ascended masters are, according to someone named Ashlyn, who is the founder, one name, Ashlyn only, okay. uh, who is the founder of Shasta Vortex Adventures, which is a great name for anything. It's pretty cool. Shasta Vortex Adventures. Uh, according to Ashlyn, here's what she says about the ascended masters. They are, quote, unquote, quote, beings who have had many lifetimes on this planet and no longer need to come back to that birth-death cycle that we're in because they've learned to master the physical plane, end quote. So they've been reincarnated so many times that they're just like, I fucking, I'm, I'm beyond this. They've transcended, yeah. yeah. So they no longer reincarnate. They're just, so like, they're just ancient, like ancient beings with yeah. full scope of all their old past lives. Damn. Wow. So some Avatar The Last Airbender shit, dude. I'm loving it. Yeah, well, there you go. I'm all about it. So Mount Shasta, baby. Chakras, baby. So Guy Ballard, the guy who originally came into contact with this ascended master yeah. on the mountain slopes, he later wrote that this particular ascended master passed on his teachings and took him on a cosmic journey through space and time, which I can only assume means they did drugs. But Ballard and his wife, Edna, later started a religious movement called I Am, which we might cover as part of a future episode. Someday. Wow, is that cool? It, well, you know, it kind of intersects with another topic that's on the list. Whoa! Uh, and interesting to Fucking note, sneaky peeky. And interesting to note, bunk funkers, the I am religion. There is actually an I am temple in the Loop in Chicago. Wow! So I'm assuming that member of the Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am, is part of the I Am movement. Mm -hmm. He's named after the I Am religious movement. <laughs> That's why he loves George Washington so much. <laughs> you have to listen to that episode in the future that hasn't been made yet yep. to get the whole enchilada on that. Um, Ascended Master Bunkfunkers will have already listened to it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you, they can't travel through time. Uh, we just... don't know. I don't know. They might. Sure. <laughs> they can now. It's official. <laughs> All right. So according to another legend, uh, J.C. Brown, who was a British prospector, uh, also discovered a lost underground city beneath Mount Shasta in 1904. J.C. Brown was hired by the Lord Cowdray Mining Company of England to prospect for gold and found a cave that sloped downward for 11 miles. Long cave. In the cave, he found an underground village filled with gold, shields, and mummies, some being up to 10 feet tall. I'm digging that. That sounds fucking dope. Right? All right. So sounds then, like we need to get Bren Fraser. We need to get, I think, 
Rachel Weiss was in that movie or Weiss? I don't know. It was, anyway. I only know Brendan Fraser. Billy Zane. Let's get all of them together. Yeah. I think it was Billy Zane. I don't fucking know. I can't remember. Let's get all of them together and make The Mummy five or four, whatever we're on now. Whoa, Mummy. Whoa, Mummy. Let's make it happen, Hollywood. So along the same lines as this uh, city underground, let's talk now about the legend of Telos. Now, we're going back to our friend from Shasta Vortex Tours, Ashlyn. And according to Ashlyn, Telos is a crystal city inside Mount Shasta, which is inhabited by higher dimensional beings called Lemurians. Oh, heard of these. Yeah. So Ashlyn says, quote, that goes all the way back to the ancient continent of Lemuria that was that was in the North Pacific Ocean many thousands of years ago. It, it actually was inhabited before Atlantis was inhabited. Right. End quote. Uh, so as this as this particular story goes, Lemuria and Atlantis got into a thermonuclear war and sank both of their continents. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Lemurians then fled into Mount Shasta, and that's where they've remained ever since. Okay. For the most part. Sure. So again, this is according to Ashlyn. Quote, well, there's a couple of stories from the 1940s where the Lemurians were actually seen walking into town. End quote. Um, now, according to these stories... These Lemurians were seven feet tall, dressed in long white robes, and were wearing sandals. They went to the general store to buy supplies, paid for their purchases with chunks of gold. And Ashland says, quote, the shopkeeper would take the gold, turn around and try to give them change, and the Lemurian would be gone, end quote. Okay. Yes, go ahead, Art. <laughs> See, like you have some questions here. <gasps> I don't know if this giant chunk of gold is going to cover your... Fucking general store expense. No, they we're getting change. <laughs> yeah, so here, let me give you some fucking change. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Chunks of gold? Disappear. They got so much gold, they don't give a shit. Oh, my God. These Lemurians. All right, but nowadays, more modern times, nobody really, there are no real more eyewitness accounts of Lemurians actually in the flesh. Can I get a couple fives for this fucking four-pound bar of gold? You just break this into fives. Okay. <laughs> I got this unrefined chunk of <laughs> chunk of ore from the earth. <laughs> Can you break this into smaller bills for me? <laughs> Can I get cash back on this chunk of gold, please? <laughs> Credit or debit? A uh, chunk of gold. <laughs> uh, I guess give me a pack of camels too. <laughs> Maybe a Pepsi. <laughs> they still take a penny when they leave. Yeah. <laughs> so the. The sightings of in-the-flesh Lemurians have kind of dried up around Mount Shasta, but some locals think that these smooth, saucer-shaped lenticular clouds that are often seen at the summit of Mount Shasta are actually engineered by the Lemurians living inside the mountain to camouflage alien cargo ships docking at the city of Telos. Nope. Checks out. Um so, yeah, I mean, we kind of mentioned, I think, Lemuria in our Atlantis episode. Yes. Um, but it's, it's another, yeah. it's another like, purported lost continent right. on Earth. Um, so, anyway, from an Earth chakra point of view, Mount Shasta is considered to be the most primal of Earth's chakras. It is at the, quote-unquote, base of the world energy system. So, at this point, Mount Shasta, the raw precursors of biological life are released into global circulation and development. Uh, Mount Shasta regulates the universal life force prior to its integration into individual life forms and species. 
So Mount Shasta's energy as the first earth chakra is like, it's like a geyser. Basically it pushes life energy out without a shape or structure. And it pushes that into the broader earth energy system. You got all that? Sure. Yeah. Art looks only a little bit confused. And I got to tell you, bunk funkers, there's something about volcanoes and that's not hair gel. It's liquid hot magma. Get it, Art? There's something about volcanoes? You remember that? No. You remember that movie? There's no. something about Mary? Oh. Where Ben Stiller comes on his ear? Yeah. And, and then, then Cameron Diaz puts it in her hair? Yeah, that that's, that stuff, that whole scene is very gross to me. Yeah. Um, because uh, there's a part in that movie where Ben Stiller's character gets his dick caught in his zipper. Yeah. And that always has made me very uncomfortable and afraid of, like, worried that I'm going to also... I don't know, shear off my dick with a with a zipper. You know, I I seemed to always feel like that movie had kind of a sweet ending. But no. I actually Ben Stiller's character in that movie is really a horrible person. Yeah, I think it's like him and then there's like two other fucking weirdos. Yeah. And they're all like competing for Cameron Diaz's love and affection, which right. I get. I mean, it's Cameron Diaz. I mean, who would not, you know, want to <laughs> Want to be with Cameron Diaz? Diaz. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I forget how it ends, but yeah, I, I think, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen There's Something About Mary, I don't think Ben Stiller, I think Ben Stiller learns at the end that he, friendship is more important or something. Or that he was going about things the wrong way. Yeah. And he has like a moment of self-reflection. Right. And, and then he clarity. realizes Mary isn't... He, Gotta stop putting her on this pedestal. She isn't right for him. And she's got her, she can live her own life the way that she chooses to. And yeah, and then she like marries somebody else or goes off with somebody else or some yeah. shit. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, he comes and then she puts it in her hair. That's the big scene, right? Yeah. And then they go to, they go that to, it was like, it's like, oh my God. Then and they go to a bar out. or something and she's got the cum in her hair the whole time. Yeah. It's all crusty. Yeah. It's all crusty and her hair's like sticking straight up in the front. Right. Cause, because that's a thing that happens. But, and, I don't, always are and like, I don't get oh, it. She's like, oh, I ran out of hair gel. Oh, hair gel. Thank God you have some right on your ear. Let me just put it in my own scalp. Well, it's like, well, what? <laughs> like, why would the cum make it stick up like that? How fast did it dry? How it's like know? she took, like, it was well, dry. you don't got fast drying cum? It was, what the fuck's wrong with your cum? It was like drying in her hair as she moved her fingers through it. <laughs> and instead of laying down, it just stayed straight up. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense kind of as a joke, but if you really break it down, it doesn't. Because how fast was the cum drying? And he was only on there for a second. I mean, he's jerking off while she's like knocking at the door. So he goes to the door and there's this wet liquid cum on his ear, this goopy cum hanging off his earlobe. First of all, it's sticky, so sticky to his earlobe, yeah. dangling down. And she scoops it up and then puts it, and it immediately dries before her hair has a chance to even fall. That's some over. Elmer's glue looking cum. Yeah, it's weird cum. Anyway, welcome to our TED talk here, Bunk Funkers. <laughs> we got some fucking shit to unpack about there's something about Mary. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Today's episode on There's Something About Mary, we're going to be reviewing the whole film start to finish. <laughs> but my point is, Mount Shasta is a volcano. There's something about volcanoes, bunk funkers. There's something about volcanoes. So that's why we're going now to the island paradise of Hawaii. Hawaii has no shortage of natural wonders, and southeastern Maui's Haleakala volcano is certainly one of those natural wonders. The volcano is also referred to as 
Haleakala Crater because of the erosion, which has eaten away at the top of the volcano over time. So it's got kind of a big opening at the top. Yeah. So uh, all of the islands of Hawaii have many ley lines crossing them, uh, which makes the entire region extremely high in energy naturally. So like Mount Shasta, uh, Hawaii was also part of like in the ancient area of Lemuria before it sank. So the uh, Haleakea volcano is not just home to incredible views. I'm saying that incredible views, uh, which it certainly is. It's also has a special energy. The top of Haleakala gives off a frequency which matches that of the human heart. Whoa. So this gives visitors the opportunity to feel Maui's energy, one uh, which is nurturing and motherly, leading people to call this Mother Maui. Whoa. Okay, so the site still holds spiritual significance for uh, native Hawaiians. Ancient ritual sites have been discovered around the crater, and island folklore says that the demigod Maui who was named, you know, the name islands named after the demigod Maui. The uh, yeah, the uh, uh, fuck, the word for when a band names the album after the band name. Eponymous. Yeah, the eponymous Maui. The eponymous Maui. Yeah, there you go. So, the eponymous demigod Maui lassoed the sun while being at the volcano summit. That's badass. That is pretty fucking badass, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, Haleakala volcano. So let's stay in North America, okay? Okay. But let's get out of the USA. Okay. And into the USM, the United States of Mexico. <laughs> That's true. Mexico is made up of various states. Yeah, various states. The United States of Mexico. Specifically, we're talking about the Maya ruins at Tulum, which are on the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm. Tulum was constructed during the late 13th century and was once a major seaport uh, for the Mayan kingdom. Which was, it was kind of like a hub for trading of jade and turquoise. So it seems like a lot of people attribute the energy of Tulum to the six mile wide. I just want to stress this because it's very like crazy to me. Six mile wide asteroid that hit the earth and killed the dinosaurs. It's a huge fucking asteroid. Six miles wide. But it hit. Jesus. This is the asteroid that gets credit for killing off the dinosaurs. Okay. Um. And people like to say that it hit the earth at the site of where Tulum is now. And it's close. I'll give them that, but it's not exactly 100% accurate. The asteroid struck off what's now the northern coast of the Yucatan Peninsula. Tulum is on the southeastern coast of the peninsula. So, you know, it makes it... A lot of people say this like... Close, but it's not like, oh, the asteroid struck at this exact spot. It's like it was over here, kind of. So at any rate, those that go to Tulum say this energy allows us to release old trauma and heal old wounds. That's what they experience at Tulum. So basically, this helps us live our life to our fullest human potential. I mean, I'm already doing that. I just don't have a lot of potential, okay? But first, you got me? Our mind Tulumis are quite full. My mind Tulumi. Yeah. (laughs) So... Tulum is also home to uh, cenotes, which are basically large sinkholes or caves that are usually found in sedimentary limestone rock that have filled with uh, groundwater and rainwater over time. Mm. So it's kind of like just a water-filled cavern, basically, is the way to think of it. It's kind of neat. The Maya believed water from cenotes had great healing power. They also believed the cenotes were windows into the underworld. Whoa. A crossroads of the living and the dead. 
Creepy. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? But Funk Funkers, art, vortices are hardly a Western Hemisphere phenomenon. Oh, no. There are vortexes all over the world. I'll be looking for you next time on Energy, Vortex, and Cheeseburger. So let's head on over to a funky little joint called Egypt, where I hear they're serving up a world wonder. This is the Great Pyramid of Giza. You know it. You love it. This colossal monument was covered by this podcast already, an episode in which we learned Art's famous catchphrase. Ooey goo goo ga. Ooey goo goo ga. His famous catchphrase. I love catchphrase. canals. He, he loves canals. So the Giza Plateau in Egypt is often cited as an energy hotspot. Hotspot. So it's no surprise that it would show up as an energy vortex too, I think. But there's at least a little scientific backing for the Great Pyramid being especially energetic. Some science here. A study done by an international research group used modeling to show that the Great Pyramid can magnify electromagnetic energy. The research group plans to use these theoretical results to design nanoparticles capable of reproducing similar effects in the optical range. Such nanoparticles may be used, for example, to develop sensors and highly efficient solar cells. Cool. But in order to get these results, the team did have to make a few assumptions because, uh, remember, this was just theoretical modeling, not a real live experiment. So here's Dr. Andre uh, Evlyukin. I hope I'm saying that right. Hadouken. The <laughs> group's research coordinator on the subject, quote, Due to the lack of information about the physical properties of the pyramid, we had to use some assumptions. For example, we assumed that there are no unknown cavities inside and the building material with the properties of an ordinary limestone is evenly distributed in and out of the pyramid. End quote. So uh, regardless, others will tell you that the Great Pyramid emits a high energy vibration of 30 which is much higher than that of a human being, even at high human levels, which would be like 10 at the most. Some believe the high energy vibration is a purposeful action. The pyramid was programmed to vibrate this way so it could act as an energy communication tower for the local galaxy. Okay. So some people say that the pyramid's great energy can cause you to easily recall past lives, feel like you're somewhere other than Earth, and expand your mind and outlook. The Great Pyramid is also allegedly home to two interdimensional portals, one for astral travel and one for contact with extraterrestrials. In order to protect the portals, the pyramid also has three energy vortices around it to say, you know, so you can't get into the portals if you're not supposed to. The Great Pyramid is the Earth's considered the Earth's fifth chakra. So it's said to be the voice of our planet, uh, also the called the throat chakra governing our communication of thoughts and feelings. It's how we express our inner creativity, like through writing. The nearby Middle East is also often cited as a chakra location, uh, usually the Mount of Olives or Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. Okay. So from Egypt, let's travel to the Mediterranean Sea, where we're visiting the Spanish island of Ibiza, Ibiza, specifically the giant fucking limestone rock sticking out of the sea. The big rock, called Esvedra, which towers more than 1,300 feet above the sea, and legend has it that the rock is the tip of the sunken city of Atlantis. Uh, this rock, Esvedra, has a powerful magnetic field which leaves compasses spinning and even disorients birds, Art. Good. Yeah. 
In fact, this is a big fucking rock. It is a huge fucking rock. So, in fact, uh, this has led to claims that Isvedra is the third most magnetic spot in the world, only behind the Bermuda Triangle and the magnetic North Pole. Uh, interestingly, Esvedra is made of limestone. The Great Pyramid is made up of mostly limestone. Whoa. Limestone is believed to hold the maximum possible concentration of energy. And so you see this in a lot of these energy vortex sites. Limestone is an important factor. Big time. So visitors to Esvedra report having experienced healing, creative, and inspiring energy and being able to meditate in a very powerful way. Okay. It is a vortex. It's got an energy field that is complex. It's making you a little less perplexed. Just give it time. Thank you. Thank you. That was Oasis. The most famous band from the UK. I definitely can't think of any UK music groups more famous or more fab than Oasis. I'm not bringing up Oasis because you need to be reminded of their existence. Because you don't. You think about them all the time. We do. Uh, but because because you're always aware of Oasis, right? Yep. I'm bringing up Oasis because they're from the UK. And so are our next two vortices. Whoa, baby. This is a two for one. Whoa, Mama. First, Whoa, we're Mama. talking about Glastonbury in the southwest of England. Mm. Glastonbury is spiritual in that it's said to have been where two highways of energy meet, one masculine and one feminine. They're making sweet love all over Glastonbury, uh, connecting in three different locations throughout the town. These meeting spots give off a strong sense of peace and balance. Uh, interestingly uh, enough, as you move through the first vortex to the middle vortex and then to the third vortex, this feeling of energy is said to move upward in your body from your tummy to your heart and then to your head. Mm. Now, the first place these... Uh, energy lines cross is in the ruins of Glastonbury Abbey between the high altar and King Arthur and Guinevere's tomb. Whoa. Uh King Arthur, huh? The Michael, AKA the masculine energy line sweeps through from Glastonbury high street across the Mary, AKA the feminine line. And they merge together near the high altar in the ruins of the Abbey. This is pretty cool. So in Glastonbury, they've named these two energy highways. The masculine one is named after St. Michael, and then the feminine is named after St. Mary. Um, so the second meeting point is called the Chalice Well. The Chalice Well Gardens, I'm sorry. But what's the Chalice Well, you ask? Well, let's start with a story. It's asserted that Joseph of Arimathea visited Glastonbury with his great nephew, Jesus Christ, who was a boy at the time. Joe, uh, this is true, Art. This is what some people say. Maybe you've heard of him. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> Joseph of Arimathea. So Joseph Wait, and his, his nephew? His great nephew, Jesus. Oh, so that's... Wait, who's Joseph of Arimathea? I mean, You don't I fucking don't, know? You I read the know. Bible cover to cover. I don't remember how all these people fit Fuck. together. Jo- I mean, uh, people are asserting Joseph of Arimathea is Jesus' great uncle okay so so he's like he would be like a great uncle joseph on mary or joseph's side uh, i don't know ah joseph or he's an uncle of joseph or mary so many goddamn josephs so many josephs in the bible they should have they should have thrown in some giuseppe's <laughs> 
So Joseph of Arimathea goes to Glastonbury with Jesus, who was a boy when this happened. Joseph was a tin merchant and traveled to the southwest of England to procure some tin and possibly some lead. Joseph uh, went to Glastonbury after Christ's crucifixion, and he brought with him the chalice from the Last Supper, into which he had received drops of the Savior's blood at the crucifixion. Okay. This is the Red Spring. So this is this is the Holy Grail with Christ's blood in it. So the the Holy Grail then was hidden oh. at a spot where a spring flows, which oh, okay. is now called the Chalice Well. Yeah. The Red Spring. The Red Spring. Sure. And Chalice Well. Which is a well, yeah. you know, for water. For water. Um the chalice, which again, the Holy Grail. Uh, was an object of quest for King Arthur and his knights. And it's said that the water from the chalice well has healing properties. Yeah. So the gardens, uh, the crossing point of the energy lines is in the part of the gardens called King Arthur's court. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, there's a waterfall and a healing pool. Uh, so very much the water element, which is traditionally connected to the flow of emotions like love. So the final crossing point in Glastonbury of these two energy highways is Glastonbury Tor a hill near Glastonbury on which sits a roofless building, St. Michael's Tower, which was a medieval cathedral partially destroyed by an earthquake. This uh, hill has been a spiritual magnet for centuries for both pagans and Christians. And the number of tales and legends, yeah, yeah, it's like this artwork. We have in the bunker. It's in the bunker. It's like a cathedral on top of a hill. That's right. With a little wizard running into it. Yeah. So... Um, Glastonbury Tor has become this central point of many legends and lores. Um, so here are some of these examples. Beneath the hill, it's said that there is a hidden cave through which you can pass into the fairy realm Whoa. of Anwen. There dwells the lord of the Celtic underworld, Gwyn yeah. Abnud, with the <laughs> cauldron of rebirth. Oh, baby. So I'm all about this. Get into the fairy realm under the tour. Yeah, the Feywild, baby. Glastonbury has a long tradition of being the Isle of Avalon from Arthurian legend, where King Arthur went after his last battle. The monks of the old Glastonbury Abbey claim to have actually found his grave in the year 1191. Mm. Summer solstice, a goddess festival, and Beltane are still celebrated on the tour, while striking terracing around the hill is allegedly a labyrinth that will take you on a journey of rebirth. Although some people say it's just part of natural erosion. Mm. Glastonbury, along with uh, Shaftesbury in Dorset, define the center of the world. Shaftesbury is a good one. It's a good one. It's a good name. Come on. Shaftesbury. Come on. It's a good one. Come on, Buffer. You're smiling. Shaftesbury. Some of you Buffer's are like, oh, geez, you're rolling your eyes, but you're smiling. Shaftesbury in Dorset. Shaftesbury. Great cereal. <laughs> yeah. Dorset? No, Shaftesbury. Oh, yeah. Oops, all Oops, Shaftesbury. all Shaftesbury's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're all smiling. You're smiling, Bug Bug. Shaftesbury. Smile. Bury your shaft. So, you bury your shaft in Dorset. Def- <laughs> Shaftesbury and Glastonbury define the center of the world's heart chakra. Glastonbury is the home of the Holy Grail, of course, and Shaftesbury is the high place of the sacred spear of purpose. Whoa. Which sounds kind of similar to the spear of destiny. Sounds kind of fucking dope. But when the earth energies of Glastonbury unite with those of Shaftesbury, the rainbow serpent lay artery, that's the two energy highways snaking 
through Glastonbury is able to deliver the immortalizing frequencies of the Holy Grail to everybody across the earth. Life is a chakra. I'm going to ride it all night long. The Rainbow Serpent Lay Artery. That's probably one of my favorite tracks from Mario Kart. The Rainbow <laughs> yeah. Serpent Lay Artery. All right. So after we leave Glastonbury, we're next going to, I told you we're going to stay in the UK. We're going to Wiltshire, which is also in Southwest England, where we're visiting the Salisbury Plain. You know where we're going, Art? We're headed to one of prehistory's greatest remaining monuments. Stonehenge. Stone, Stonehenge. Got it. Bare, just barely. Just got it. Just barely. I realized what else is there? Oh, yeah, Stonehenge. <laughs> so Stonehenge is obviously one of the world's most famous ancient sites. Uh, the start of its corrupt construction dating back nearly 5,000 years. This thing is old, okay? The 100 upright stones arranged in a circular shape are thought to have been a burial site or some sort of ceremonial grounds. Um, Stonehenge is... Supposed to be the meeting place of 14 ley lines. Wow. Which makes it a very powerful energy spot. This is like a ley line truck stop. It's like a ley line Bucky's. Yeah, this is. Got the cleanest yeah. bathrooms <laughs> ever. I've, I've never been to a Bucky's. Oh my God. But I did Look have. Them up on YouTube. But I have had beaver nuggets before from Bucky's. And they were pretty addictive. Nah, I think you just. You were just eating shit that came from a beaver. They're like corn pops. <laughs> they are. Bucky's has. I mean, I want to travel to one. Uh, Texas Bunk Bunkers, let us know Bucky's experiences. Is it is it as is Bucky's as to Texas as what like Stonehenge and like energy vortices are to this episode? Does that make sense? Is Bucky's like the Texas of an energy vortices fueling Texas with refueling your literally chakra, fueling your chakra tummies? Yeah, Bucky's is definitely the energy vortex of. It's Texas. definitely a stopping spot, dude. So. 14 ley lines converge here it's at Stonehenge. It's a lot of ley lines. And uh, because it's believed that, I mean, if you remember our episode on ley lines, ley lines, you can connect ancient spiritual sites, even modern spiritual sites along these ley lines. People just seem to gravitate to putting monuments on these ley lines. And because it's an intersection of 14 at Stonehenge, which was built before any of these other spiritual sites. Yeah. You're smiling? <laughs> It's funny. It's just like, imagine some like ancient Druid just being like, I don't, I don't I just want to put some fucking stones here, man. Like, what's going on? You feeling this? Uh, and everyone's like, uh, I don't know. Crap, uh, like, I can't get this relax? out of my head. Let's all drag some fucking stones over here, okay? Let's <laughs> yeah, build some, some shit, you know? Like, uh, I, I, all right, dude, like, relax. But it's interesting when you think about it, right? All these things converge on Stonehenge. Stonehenge predates all the other monuments, right? It does? It's older than, than all of these other, like, it's churches. It's older than the e Egypt? Well, no, I'm just saying that are on oh, the ley lines. On the UK. Yeah, in the in the England ley line oh, system. Well, yeah. All these more medieval churches right, and things right, like right, this. Right, right. Stonehenge predates all of those. Right. Yet all these lines converge back to Stonehenge without anybody realizing it, huh? So um it's also interesting that historians believe Stonehenge to have once been a burial site, which gives it even more spiritual significance, right? So, beefers, art, that's your primer on energy vortices, okay? Even if you call them vortexes. Look, I think one thing we can all agree on, we don't know what the fuck energy actually is, and we don't understand things like the power grid and how cars work and what makes bicycles move. But that's okay. We're not eggheads. We don't have to know this stuff. Well, I would say feet. Okay, well, I mean, that's a cartoon. That's the Flintstones, but I'm talking about the real world here, Art. So something else we can all agree on is that energy, whatever it is, is very real. We can see it everywhere. 
For example, try this little experiment for yourself. Find a rug or a carpet, preferably one with a lot of pile. Put some socks on your feet, okay? Then go to that rug or carpet and start rubbing your feet like crazy on it. Rub, 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 rub. Rub your feet like crazy. Then ask a friend to come over to you. When they do, reach out and touch them with your finger. What you should see is a brilliant flash of light and also a sudden appearance of the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey Hey there. there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Welcome back! That was our my research into energy vortices. Uh, Art, hey, how you feeling after that? I didn't mind that. You know, I, I you know, I, I I thought it was a neat little episode. I think um, a lot of those sites are <laughs> neat little. The episode. guy who presented it was okay. I mean, yeah. you know, not- it's a neat little episode. Not my favorite, but okay. <laughs> no, I think um, a lot of those sites. I think. Honestly, I would definitely go visit Glastonbury. I think that's actually fucking neat. There's a big festival there. Yeah. Wouldn't really want to go to the festival. Uh, but that fucking... Uh, the tour. The tour looks, looks cool. awesome. The chalice looks cool. That dope. ruined chapel on top of it. Yeah. The, it looks uh, so cool. The other one you talked about that I can't remember if it's in Glastonbury. The uh, the Abbey. The Abbey. That was super dope. Yeah, the it Abbey. Rundown Abbey. The Abbey, I mean, this gives really you cool. this gives you an idea of the scope of power of the Catholic Church before the split, uh, before you know, before the before the English Crown left the Catholic Church. Yeah. So, the Abbey and all of its associated buildings and whatever, like the site today, I think I read that it's thirty six acres. Wow. That's big. That's huge. It's big for like a religion, but they had all these buildings and stuff. So, yeah. and I guess it it 
it stayed around for a little bit, even after the, the split with the Catholic Church. That which was Henry the Eighth. Henry the Eighth, yeah. So he could get divorced. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's a big site. It's a big old site. Um, it's a big old site. Big Ask old me about site. that site. I like that site a what lot. What is he that site? Uh, I think I would go visit that site before I would go to Stonehenge. Wow. TBH. Wow. The What's, site is fucking, it's busting, dude. No cap. No cap. Um, For real, for real. You know, what do you have against? Uh, why do you think that, why do you think Stonehenge is so cringe? <laughs> why is Stonehenge so mid? Uh, yeah. I, I don't have anything against, I just think it's like you super. think it's sus? I think it's a little sus. I think it's. <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> Uh, we're coming for you zoomers yeah watch out zoomers um um what was that what was i about to say you know it's i think it's probably underwhelming i Mm. think it's one of those things that's like what i've heard too about the pyramids right is that like well one kind of getting to egypt can be difficult but then like there's just so much like there's a fucking kfc Mm. across the street from the great pyramid i've heard that it can be a little underwhelming Mm -hmm. um you know, you've just got fucking tourists everywhere, like people everywhere all over. It just takes away from the magic. Yeah. And I would imagine Stonehenge might kind of be the same. It's like you go to Stonehenge and you're just like, all right, here it is. But like maybe some of these lesser known sites actually like, I don't know. It's like if you could be alone on the Glastonbury tour or I don't think you probably could. But, you know, I imagine they probably have their fair share of tourists as well. But you like feel that, like you can maybe get a little bit closer to the... Yeah, it's it's a little bit lesser known. It's a little bit more of the road, less traveled. I think everybody always wants that experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. everybody wants to be like, well, what are the locals doing? You know? Yeah. Like, what are the locals doing? I always ask that. You know? So, it would be like if somebody came to Chicago and it's like, you go see the fucking bean. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's the bean. But like... Go to Rogers Park. There's cool shit in Rogers Park. Yeah. You might not know about, or there's cool shit in, um, you know, Old Town or Pilsen or um, Bridgeview has cool shit. The fucking Garfield Conservatory, right? The Garfield, uh, Garfield Park Conservatory? Yeah. The yeah. Garfield Park Conservatory. Like, no one ever talks about that, right? It's great. It's great. You should go there. But it's like, you know, you would come for the bean and the fucking... Yeah. Tower and shit like that. Same thing. Navy Pier. Navy Pier, which is like, yeah. I never want to go to Navy Pier. Yeah. It sucks there. Yeah. Nobody, I don't think anybody who lives here really wants to go to Navy Pier. It's ever. fine to do it once, but like yeah. after that, it's like, go, you want to actually like go see what's kind of dope about Chicago too. It's like our architecture. Go, here's my thing, bunk funkers. If you go to Chicago, do the architecture boat tour. It is worth it. It is fun. It's really interesting. You get to see a ton of stuff. In like one span of time. Yeah. And you're on a boat. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't really have a lot of traffic. Yeah. You could just like, you zip through, you get to learn about all the different architecture and the buildings. You get to see a ton of downtown. Um, That would be my recommendation. If you, you have, you, you go to Chicago, you want to do something touristy, but you know, you don't, you want to try and get as much as possible. Do a boat tour. I would say of all the touristy type of things, that's probably my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Anyway. Energy vortices. Vortices. Um, See, Beavers, I told you, you can't pronounce vortices. I'm not as against this, you know, as I originally thought. I thought this would be like fucking giant tornadoes. 
Oh. And um, like actual fucking like portals or some bullshit. Oh. But if you're talking about like energy and chakras, it's like, I don't know. It's like, obviously there's a lot of views, right? Right. We're talking about views. Everybody loves a good view. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's good views. There's something about nice breathtaking views that, um, you know, recharge. You're just like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. I don't know what that is about our chemistry that makes us, is that, is that just like a sociology thing where it's just like everybody was just talking about a great view. And sometimes you get to a great view and you're just kind of like, yeah, it's a view. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like, there's just something about a human society and a trope where they're like, yeah, you got to go great view. It's like, what? why do us humans love great views? That's what I I feel like. I feel like it's it's the change in perspective, I think, is probably what gets us the most. Yeah. Um, you know, like talking about Sedona, it's like people go on Airport Mason. It's like, oh, it's such a great view. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's at the top of a mountain. Like, <laughs> it's it's like, you know, it's bigger than other stuff around it. So, yeah, yeah. of course, it seems like. What, is it that like view. something about our lizard brain where we're like, I'm high up so I can scout the whole plane? And know that I'm not, I can't be attacked when I'm up on the top of the mountain. I think it's one of those things that it's, it's a view that you can't get by yourself. Mm. Like you could, you can't just like you mentioned the empire state building. Yes. It was really windy up there, which fucking sucks, but that's a view you can't get by yourself. Yeah. Right. You can't like make that happen on your own. Right. You need the building to be there. You need the Mesa to be there to, help lift you up over the other stuff so that you can see it. I think the rarity of the view is what makes it exceptional Hmm. because you know that you're seeing things from a side that you can't see them. Otherwise it's not natural for humans to be up that high, right? It's unnatural for us to get that view of things from around us, but there are very specific views. And I would argue that probably there's some kind of, I don't know whether it's like the golden ratio or some bullshit like that, where, you know, like yeah. we like stuff that that is like that, where it has that ratio and that order to it. We like just naturally we like things like that. Yeah, that's fair. And and maybe that's because there are there's lots of views, right? If you have ever hiked, which I know you've never hiked before, but um, no, I don't want to do any walking. <laughs> I won't. You know, if it if it's not accessible by a JSE XL, then I'm not going. I'm not going. Can't Just, take those up, Sedona. If you if you could if you could you know take a motorized shopping cart from Walmart and drive it to any of these sites, then yeah, I could go. But if you can't do that, then I'm not going. I'm just gonna have to look at pictures. <laughs> so, like you go high, like there's plenty of spots that can be a good view, but then like they only put benches on certain ones, right? You yeah. know, and that's where the ones that they want you to go to, and that's the ones where people frequent mm-hmm. because that's where the view is. Right. I went hiking outside of Tucson and whatever national park is right outside there. I forget the fucking name of it. Um, it was there's in Tucson. There's two. There's two of them because Tucson is like a valley right between these two like hiking deserts. I think it's probably like people listening from Arizona are going to grill my ass, but it's fine. Do it, bunk fuckers. Get him. Um, and so there's like east and west, and I forget which one I went hiking in, and I forget their names. But um, you know, we we went up the trail, and then it's like 
Yeah, there's plenty of places where you're high up and you can get a good view, but then like you have to get to the top where there's the view. And why is that the view? And the other little spots aren't the views, you know? And that's what I'm saying is like, so people in this topic would say like, well, that's where the vortices at. That's where it's the most powerful. And maybe there's something to that, you know, maybe there is something to being so high up, having this unnatural view that you couldn't get any other way that puts whatever your, whatever negative energy or negative thoughts or stress you're having in your life, it puts it in perspective because you're like, wow, everything is so tiny or like whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And I do think like psychologically, you know, there's, and even, even organically there's, there's, chemicals in our brains that make up different things, you know, like serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, things like that. And it's, you know, for certain you, you would get either a dopamine rush or an endorphin rush or whatever from being, seeing one of these great views from so high up. So are you, and I think that is, you know, getting that rush then quote unquote refills your chakra or aligns your chakra. It just makes you feel better. Right. Yeah. And you're also exercising Makes you feel better because you have to hike and walk. <laughs> Agree to disagree on that. Yeah. That exercise makes you feel good. <laughs> so are you buying or selling the concept of everything being connected by some unseen force? I don't chain? know. I'm I'm so middle of the road on it because I do think that there are things that Scientific, like I said, like the fucking serotonin, the endorphins and all that stuff. And like, you probably do feel more connected to people because you're feeling good. Yeah. You're, you're getting an endorphin rush by all the hiking and you're, you're surrounded by this view that you can't get. Otherwise you're getting like a dopamine rush from that. You're, you know, that sort of all that negative stuff, anything that might be weighing you down is kind of washing away. Um, and, and that I think is all real. So how can I sit here and say that? I mean, do I think that it's, you know, I don't know. I think chakras and other things are just different. It's just semantics, the same thing, right? Yeah. Whether you want to talk about saying. it from a scientific perspective or the fucking chakra perspective chakras is sort of like the non-egghead way of talking about sure. all the chemical reactions that our bodies are hardwired to produce sure when we experience certain stimuli yeah exactly yeah i think you're probably right you're probably onto something with that that it's more of a uh i think too i think there's some sort of a herd mentality with some of these places big time like that they seem more powerful because of the number of you know, either they're really impressive or the number of people that are also there. And I think that you put yourself in a situation, we do this a lot, where other people are experiencing something and you feel like you should be experiencing you it You got too. that FOMO. Yeah. Even if you don't really feel it, you'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling it. And then you, you know, you kind of like reverse engineer to feel a certain way, yeah. even though you may not have felt it immediately on your own. Right. A hundred percent. I think there's a lot of peer pressure involved in how people feel. Yeah, you don't want to be the one guy. I mean, you do. Yeah. Being the one guy who's like, care. it's not that fucking impressive. Yeah. Everyone else is like, dude, this is, a oh my God, like this is amazing, man. We're the two people. We're going to the Great Pyramid and you're going, it's just one shape. <laughs> just because they built it that big, it's not that impressive. <laughs> just one shape. <laughs> 
And then, and then everyone's like, you know, it's like, it's beautiful. It's what do Marvel one shape. And then we go to Esvedra. People are like, wow, this is so breathtaking. I'm like, it's just big fucking rock. I was not impressed by Esvedra. I wouldn't just go rock. visit it. I wouldn't visit it. I would. I'm not. It's just a big rock. It's not that but I just cool. want to go hang out on the islands, the Mediterranean. Well, okay. I'd go for that. Sure. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'd go get some jamon. Jamon. Iberico jamon. We want some of that Spanish pork products. Ooh, baby. That's what Give we do. Give me some chorizo. I think, I think lots of things, though, can be re-energizing. It's not... Just, I think you're right. I think it there is a history component to it as well, right? It's like, well, the ancient peoples who used to live here think this is an important spot. And who knows why they, maybe they did it for the same reasons, but they didn't have the, you know, they didn't have the same kind of language that we're using to explain it. Yeah. Where they're like, I don't know. I just fucking feel good when I'm up here, dude. And then they're like, yeah, well, that's because the fucking sun mother birthed us all here, bro. And everyone was like, fuck, this guy's right, dude. That's gotta be what it is. I also think there's you know? a component of of thinking about ancient sites that you have to consider. And this doing the research for this got me really thinking about this is that the landscape changes over time. It does. So when we see something today and this is how we memorialize it in our thoughts, you got to keep in mind that we've only been seeing it in a reproducible way for like a couple of hundred years, a few hundred years possibly. Like when you start talking about people painting a landscape and then, you know, obviously photographs are much more recent than that even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we and don't... the amount of people traveling to these things is changing it over time. Yeah. But like talking about Glastonbury, the tour used to be like surrounded by swampy marsh. So it really was like an island. Wow. And so like when ancient people built Stonehenge, the site on Salisbury Plain, like I don't, I don't know what was it like, you know, before then. Yeah. So maybe this was like just a spot in the middle of all these marsh where it was actually constructible. So it's like they picked this specific point, not because of anything other than it was higher up than the rest of it. And so it was accessible to them. I was thinking about that the other day, actually. I went on a, believe it or not, I went on a fucking hike outside at the Forest Preserve. What the fuck? I know. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Is this Archstone Esquire again? What the (laughs) fuck is going on? And I was walking through the forest. And I was like, "Damn, you get dude, any ticks? Why? Why does this obsession with ticks? I is just went like to the, a big problem. I went to the forest yesterday, and I came back with a tick. Did you? Yeah. How'd you get it off? What do you mean get it off? I'm not gonna jerk off a tick, <laughs> an idiot. How'd you get it off your body? Oh, I didn't. I just let it go. You just pulled it off? No, I just let it go. I don't need all that blood. Live and let live, brother." Nah, I threw, washed it down the drain, fucking bug. Stupid it was crawling up my face. Nice. Um, couldn't find any. Couldn't find any blood worth drinking on me. Yeah, true. Too much cholesterol. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, if a if a tick or a mosquito, um, you know, drinks your blood, they immediately get insect diabetes. Yeah, they go into cardiac arrest instantly. I had. Uh, they get insect gout. I had. I had in, I just recently had my blood work done, and I did a you know a fasting lipid panel. My cholesterol was eight thousand. <laughs> it's over nine thousand. Doctor fucking turned into Vegeta. Pull it back to some DBZ. Um, no, I was walking through the forest preserve, and uh-huh. I was like, I was like, God damn, dude! Like the original people, who even the even the people who for, uh, Chicago was an onion swamp. 
Yeah. Right? Or it just was a swamp that stank like onions or there was raw onions growing here. What's the story is like they they it was a good place for cuz you know onions grow well in like marshy soil. Yeah. Um so I think that they would grew onions here and it's like oh this was uh, like Chicago is like a bastardization of the local local native Indian word for, word for stinky, for, for stinky onions, yes. Yeah. But um you know what that must have been like cuz you know we're surrounded by this concrete jungle everything's so manufactured so when you, and, and don't get me wrong I'm walking on a path that is pre-made in the fucking forest but then like you can see the forest and it's like wild and chaotic and fucking hard to traverse like what that must have been like to have to traverse through a forest and then it's just like you come to this river and then you're just like oh okay like yeah and just the wildness that would have been this untamed manifest of like fucking nature yeah. Back then, what that must have been like to get those stones up that through the swamp, through the forest, up that hill, build that tour. That probably would have been dope as fuck. Yeah. Been straight fucking bossing. No Kuji. No Kuji? What is it? Zoomers, help me out. What is it? No Kuji or something? I don't know this one. I only know a few. But I think you're capping me a little bit here on this. Capping. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, Plus, you know, one thing with Chicago, you got to keep in mind is that... Sheesh! Sheesh! <laughs> Sheesh! <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> I can watch that video every day. Sheesh! <laughs> I love all the people doing ice water in the veins, too. I know. How did they ever come up... How did, like, D'Angelo Russell come up with that? Like... It looks like he's shooting heroin. It does. It's like uh, it does, like people are like, oh, it's ice water in the veins. It's like, I don't know. Because he's ice cold. It looks like he's injecting something into his bloodstream. Big time. Like, it could be anything. Could be, could be a trembolone sandwich. Could be a little trembolone. And I, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you inject trend into your yeah, you arm do. veins. So, <laughs> you do if you're me. So, <laughs> you do if you're me. I think one of these things you got to remember about Chicago, too, is that a lot of the uh, city center is landfill. They dug out other parts and put the dirt there to build the city out. So, yeah. You well, know, that's why cities feel you very, go, yeah. Just, you know, it feels very permanent because yeah. of the length of time that it's been here and how we live our whole lives and it doesn't change. It changes a lot, but it doesn't change that much in some right, sense. Right. But really, when you think about it, like that land didn't even exist there 250 no. years ago. So it's like, it's not all that old. It just seems permanent to us because we don't have a very like short, we have a very short lifespan overall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you lived for hundreds of years, it'd be like, yeah, hey, this city is like crazy. Like you, you know, it went for like thousands of years with all this rough terrain. Yeah. But we have such an ability to modify things now that the modern landscape doesn't look at all what it looked like for most of its existence. Right. No. And I, and I think that must've been fucking wild. Um, I don't remember the exact train of thought we went down to get here, but, um, yeah, maybe, you know, that's why I do think, yeah, there, there is something to those views or, or there's something with those spots where people are just like, I really like this particular spot for a particular reason. Maybe it is that golden ratio thing. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just like some dude fucking picked that spot. Cause he was just like, I like it. Yeah. 
Just some, like, you know, some people, you know, it could be as simple as ancient people found a clearing. Yeah. It was a good spot to do this. Right. And so they just did it there because this fit their needs. Or yes, like something in nature just so happened. The, the, the calculations were just right that it made it look like a bell. Yeah. Now this would have been before bells were invented, but you know, I don't know. It was a weird looking rock that you don't see very often. So they're like, there's something special about that. Right. So their way of explaining it is through their religion. Yeah. And they just go, yeah, that's special. And so then that gets passed down. And now here we are with this fucking giant rock that looks like a bell. You got people thinking there's an alien inside of it. And there's this whole thing with oral tradition too, where eventually people kind of forget the origin of these stories. Yeah. So it's like at some point somebody starts- Someone fucks up one word. (laughs) Somebody starts telling this story and then it keeps getting passed down. And it's like through the generations because- it's not written down, so nobody gets the context for why it was originally started. Right. Then it just sort of becomes like, oh, well, this is tradition. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's just, you know, maybe this was just a fun story at some point. And it's like, well, no, now this is the basis of our entire cultural identity. It's this story. Yeah. Things change quick. But this isn't, a, this isn't a topic about, I mean, it is connected to chakras, but I don't think it's a topic entirely about that concept. No. So... At the end of the day, do I think there's something special about some of these sites? Sure. You know, I mean, we're not getting the verdicts here, but I think there is something special about it because, you know, especially the ones in nature. I mean, I guess you could kind of sit here and say like, well, Stonehenge isn't natural. People fucking put stuff in place to make that happen. Which is like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You want to fucking get semantic with me. Yeah, it's not, it's not natural, you know. But some of the ones in Arizona are kind of natural. Yeah. You know, Cathedral Rock, Bell Rock, Airport Mesa, those are natural sites. Mm-hmm. Those are just really nice, nice places that people enjoyed. Like you said, natives have assigned certain spiritual qualities to them and other people get interested in that. And so they gravitate toward it. There's lots of them too, like Grand Canyon. You know, it's like that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's yeah. fucking massive. And, um, you know, we have the what are they, the eight natural wonders, seven wonders of the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember how many of them are man-made versus natural. But, you know, I guess the argument is is that certain people felt the energy of that location and needed to put a monument there of some kind. But um, I don't know. What do you think about healing properties? No. Well... Yes, yes and no. It comes back to like every time we get into something medical, right? Where it's like, sure, but placebo is an effect, sure, but you know, like don't don't be like this is the only way I'm going to cure my horrible disease. Yeah, looking at this fucking view every day, it's like, "Mm." yeah, but like, you know, (laughs) push me in my wheelchair to the top. (laughs) To the top of the, <laughs> over to the Great Pyramid so I can be healed of my bowel obstruction. Right. Um, my Of my severed toe being rejoined with my yeah. foot. You know, I, I, sure, I think that a great view can definitely, like I said, release some endorphins and make you fucking feel better, but yeah. momentarily. Not a replacement for actual medical care. No. I but I do think that. there could be... If you want to talk about a spiritual healing component, it's so much about yourself. Yeah. So why not? You why know? not? If you find it healing to your spirit, Hillary sure, Duff. then it is. Yeah. 
You know, it's like, I don't know. It's one of these things where I feel like these sites are very individualistic. Each person's going to experience something different. Yeah. So like when I go to New York, I don't fucking feel that. You don't feel what? Mm. The same thing. Those hands on your leg when you ride the subway. That's me, buddy. (laughs) That's me. Under the seat, Andy. I've been on the subway groping calves. I'm scritching at your anchors. The I'm scritch- scritching at them ankles. Scritching at your ankles. Got a little bug bite there. The mosquito get you. You look down. Does that feel good? You feel something on your toes. You see your shoes untied. That's me. Don't worry. I'm not messing with your feet. I'm just scritching your... I'm just slithering on the ground like a snake. Going... <laughs> And then touching your calves and ankles. <laughs> I don't go above the knee and I don't go below the ankle. Um, not some kind of pervert. Not some kind of pervert. I, yeah, like, I, you know, they, they say, oh, okay, the Empire State Building, but it's like, I don't feel that the same way I felt hiking around. It, uh, you know, I, I find that tiring and stressful because uh, to get to the top of the Empire State Building, you have to wait in line for an hour. Then you have to take an elevator for fucking like 10 minutes straight. Then you are up at the top and you have to like, there's like a big museum thing and you have to wait again. And then finally you get to go out on the deck and see the view. It's not the same thing as hiking in a badass location or desert. You can just go. Is there anything about the city that appeals to you on a higher level? What about Chicago or New York? either i don't know i don't think so i don't think it's healing for me and i don't think it's de-stressful for me i think it's a very it's a different kind of experience i'm going for i'm going there for almost um if i have enough energy stored up i go into the city knowing there's going to be a depletion of energy knowing it's going to be stressful to me Mm. because you know living in a bit like there's just people goddamn everywhere especially when it's nice out like it is now just yeah. fucking people everywhere they're everywhere god damn cars and the honking and the noise and the fucking like smells and everything it's just you're getting overstimulated to me yeah going to the city and some people some people might get replenished from that i don't what about you wow do i feel replenished by the city at all I think that you can find it in the city. There are peaceful, peaceful parts. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, even on the, even on public transit, mm. maybe you're in a train car all by yourself. No, that's not so bad. That's terrifying. Why? That is one of the most stressful experiences. In between stops, it's fine. As long as there's nobody coming from either end. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's so fucking stressful to me. But I've also been attacked on the train. Yeah, that's true. And I've had some experiences. You know, <laughs> Chicago has a lot of green spaces, a lot of parks. There are some parks that are fairly peaceful mm-hmm. where you can just relax, disconnect from the city a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's nice. I feel like it's hard to get some alone time and maybe that's it, you know. Yeah, I have that introvert thing where being around people is draining, but being mm-hmm. alone is recharging. 
Not that I'm like some kind of introvert where I'm like, if I have any kind of social obligation whatsoever, like, you know, it's like I can go to a social obligation and not be, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to make fun of introverts, but anyway. He's lying, bunk bunkers. He can't go to a social obligation and not be that way. It's true. But, um, no, it is. It's, it's drained. So like, you know, even the time we all, we went to that park in Logan Square and it was like, yeah, it was nice, but it's still like, it's not recharging because there's like fucking people everywhere. Yeah, that was really busy. I'm trying to have a fucking picnic with my friends. I mean, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just a lot of stimuli. Yeah. You know, it's not the same thing as like hiking up a mountain and being like, whoa, there's something, there's something nice about solitude. Yeah. In certain situations. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I enjoy solitude. But you disagree with me on the city aspect. I think you can find spots to... You can find spots. Charge. Everybody, if you live in a city, you gotta have a spot. I do think that... I am a big fan of, like, high-up views. I'll admit that. You can get high. You'd like a big high-up view? Yeah. You get, a, get up on top of a building or something. You know, break into the roof access... Stairwell, get on the roof. It's great. Yeah. Um, no, but it's like, you know, you can go up in a building and you can like get on to a higher floor and, and look around. There's great views. You know, if you're in Chicago and you get way high up and you have a view that faces the east or the south, like you can see forever. You can see like all the way out on way out in Lake Michigan. You can see like all the way to Indiana, basically. Mm-hmm. It's great. What about being underground? I don't really find anything appealing about being underground. Yeah. What did they say in the research about being underground? It's like a... Like close to the earth will... It's like more of a grounding yeah. thing. Like introspective thing. It can be introspective and help, you know, problem solving type of situation. I don't know. I don't... I don't find being underground anything... I guess I've never been underground anywhere that was really peaceful. Yeah, that's true. I was about to say, I've never really been underground in a way that wasn't transit related. I've been into some caverns before. Yeah. But that was like a guided tour thing. Right. And I guess it is kind of nice. It's like cool and it's neat. You know, it looks nice and stuff. Yeah. So if you get separated from the group for a minute, it's like not so bad. But I don't know that I feel like I've solved problems better. I don't have enough experience to say that. Yeah. I definitely don't solve any problems when I'm on the train. No. Underground. No. I only cause problems there. Yeah, you're scratching people's ankles. Scratching people's ankles. I'm smoking pipes full of newspaper. Sliding around loud. in your belly. I'm urinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think? You ready to get to verdicts? Let's get to some verdicts. All right. Let's verdict it up. Um, I guess our verdict today is going to be on... Do we think that this is like our energy vortex is a thing or not? Right? That's sure. The ver- ver- verdict here. The verdict. The ver- The verdict sees that we're going to pass today. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna give a verdict of. Mm, plausible plus. Art's what? Stunned by this verdict. That's crazy. I'm giving this a plausible plus verdict because I'll tell you what. Throughout the whole discussion, I think we came back to this thing of like, 
for whatever reason, these sites had some significance to people in the past. Mm -hmm. And so they chose to build big monuments here, which then gives it significance to us. So whether or not there's some underlying natural phenomenon making these sites attractive to humans, something happened in the past that made an appealing site, and then it keeps having appeal to us in, in a modern day. So in a way, there's some kind of thing there, some connection, even though I think it's less of an esoteric thing and more of just a tradition thing. But people can feel things when they go someplace. You can feel a certain way. You can feel good about something. You can feel bad about something. So I think that the idea of, you know, you feeling different in different places makes sense. Some people are going to be, you know, I think, again, it's just a very individualistic experience with all of these vortex locations. Some people will probably feel it and some people won't. Um, but I think that if you do feel it, then it's a real thing, whether you, whether there's anything explainable about it, or if it's just you enjoying this particular location for whatever reason that you enjoy it and you're getting a rush of chemicals from your brain from being there, that's still something that still counts. I think. Wow. Um, Andy, you must've spent some time underground recently. That was very introspective of you. Wow. Geez. Yeah, I did. I was actually, um, so I got into this kind of situation recently. With, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, with some, uh, you know, okay. I mean, Bunkfunkers, you know me. I love cheese, right? So I've been, um, you know, I got hooked up with this, like, cheese mail order club. Mm-hmm. And I I started using this credit card uh, to pay for my cheese orders. And I was actually charging up a lot of cheese on this credit card. So I decided to just cancel the card. And so these uh, cheesemongers, they sent like a collection agency to my house and, you know, they make you like work off the debt that you owe them. Yeah. So I had to go into this cave where they age all this blue cheese and they made me like stay in a little hole for a week and a half. I wasn't even allowed to eat any of the cheese. Okay. So I should just ignore all the reports that, again, you were hanging out in your neighbor's crawl space, taking photos? Yeah, those aren't real. That's not a real report. It was definitely the cheesemongers? Yeah, it was the cheese cheese police. I mean, look, there's so many reports about me being in people's houses, in their crawl spaces, drilling holes in things and setting up cameras. It's just not factual. And frankly, it's getting yeah. a little bit old right now that- yeah. You know, the community police are putting out bulletins about me. It's mm-hmm. like they didn't do any investigating. They didn't even see if it was actually me doing these things to. And it wasn't even your camera equipment. It was Justin Link's. Yeah, it was Justin Link's camera equipment. JustinLink.com. I mean, if anything, I'm I'm not educated enough on <laughs> video production to be able to film people using the toilet in their own homes. It could only have probably been Justin Link <laughs> when you really think about it. All signs point to Justin Link being the you know, the Chicago bathroom peeper and not me. If you really think about it. Well, uh, I guess it leads you to a good verdict because I got to agree with you, but I'm going to go even stronger. I'm going plausible plus plus. Wow. Double plus. But I think for the same reasons, you know, again, this is, we're not talking about chakras here, but you know, I think chakras and all this spiritual shit is um, this fucking stupid spiritual (laughs) bullshit. Fucking shit. Which again, I'm not, I'm not fucking passing any judgment on this dumb, stupid bullshit. If you believe in this stupid, idiotic, inane bullshit, that's your choice. That's fine. 
we support you. No, but I, I think it is targeting a thing. It's it's again, it's like different words for the same thing. You know, yes, if if there is something throughout history that says this is a cool view, this is a cool thing, this is a thing that re- recharges people, energizes people in the past, that travels through history, so now we have that, and then it's like you experience that or you just have good memories or there's something about it. I do think there is something to being deconnecting and, and de-stressing and connecting with nature a little bit. It's just like whether it's fresh air or hiking, so you're doing some endorphins or just having a good time out there, right? And that's why people, you know, maybe it's not ex- the nature itself, but the experience you're having in nature causing you to be re-energized or recharging your chakra or everyone call it, mm-hmm. right? You know, maybe maybe that is just your spot where you just feel more connected. You know, sometimes like even when you, if you are doing something creative, like if you're drawing a picture or making music or recording a podcast, recording a podcast or writing comedy, sometimes it's better to, why is it better to do it early in the morning or late at night for me? You know, that's me. I have to do stuff either early in the morning, right when I wake up, right when that coffee's starting to hit, right when those ideas are fresh or very late at night when I'm almost near sleep. I'm uninhibited. I'm just writing almost, you know, stream of conscious style. And that's where you're getting the best shit, right? Like that's time of day. Mm -hmm. There's also place and proximity, right? Like some people write better in, in lots of places with lots of windows and light and they feel inspired. Yeah. Um, some people like to leave their house right. to write and they like to go to someplace public like a coffee yeah, shop. Like a, po- a coffee shop or a cafe. And 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 um, why, why does that, you know, does that do something to your chakra or does that do something to your parts of your brain that are creative? I don't know. I can't speak to that. But I do think, yeah, they're, and these sites are important and they're cool. And we should visit them and, uh, you know, jerk We should off. keep an open mind <laughs> and jerk off at all of these locations. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself, Art. Wow, thank yeah. you. Great verdict. Now, if you'd like to go jerk off at any of these sacred locations, let us know. We want to hear about it. Also, do you feel like Jeremy? Do you think that it was all bullshit or was it? <laughs> uh, let us know. Use the hashtag... Um, uh, there's for Chestershire, there's, <gasps> um, use the hashtag. There's something about volcanoes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, use the hashtag. There's something about volcanoes. You can tweet at us at Mr. Bunker pod. You can Instagram us, <laughs> I guess at Mr. Bunker pod. You can email us. Uh, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. You can, uh, if you have the means and you feel so inclined, please, we welcome your patronage of the show. You can get, uh, with only a pledge of $5 a month, you can get um, up over 40 hours of additional Patreon-only content. Behind the scenes. Uh, you can get access to the Bunker Discord. Behind the scenes Discord. People are calling it straight busting, no cap, for real. Yeah. Dead ass. It's, it's true. People are saying this is dead ass one of the best. Fire. It's fucking fire. It's fucking fire. This is dead ass fire Discord shit that we got going on here. And uh, that's no cap, beefers. Uh, you can believe that. Um, 
It's straight bussin. Straight fucking bussin. Um, it's not mid, even in the slightest. It's not cringe. It's bussin. Sheesh. <laughs> so, you know, for five bucks a month, uh, you can you can join the bunker Discord. You can get access to all this fabulous extra content. Uh, you can get a nude video of me and Art cooking. Um, and, uh, you can get lots of other stuff because we haven't done everything yet. So there's going to be more stuff coming. Yeah. And there always is. So, um, if you feel so inclined and you have the means to do so, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker pod. And thank you in advance. Um, let's see. What else do we have to say? Well, I don't have anything else to say. Art, any last words? Actually, let me make some last words while you look up the word of the day. Um, so, or do I have to do that? I got to do that now. I <laughs> sure. Oh, Why don't fuck. you fucking do that? I got to look up word of the day. Art, any last words? <laughs> Woo, it's almost like you, you weren't prepared for this. Oh, you got, fuck. I you got this sprung yeah, on you. Last yeah, it's almost like somebody just asked me right before we started recording if but, I wanted to but do this. Somebody did ask you and you did say, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going okay. Well, <laughs> uh, no, Andy, I think, um, I think this was a fun topic. Uh, thanks again to Jeremy and, um, you know, I, I think personally, you know, there's lots of fun, fun areas and places to hike. And I think I find it rejuvenating and I would encourage our bunk fuckers. Uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, times can be tough, but, um, you know, go, go try and find your happy place. And, and I hope that, uh, you know, this message, this, this episode is, a is a, uh, just a, friendly reminder to uh yeah try and find that happy place this week and um go there and recharge those bunkras or those chakras or whatever you want to call it wow well oh, said thank you get out there and recharge your bunkras yeah so it's uh, it's shocking to think though that some people do recharge their bunkras by listening to this drivel yeah but which is crazy but you know this will fill up your mind zone yeah this whole enchilada will fill up your mind, tummy. Right. It'll fill up your bunk crawl. Um, <laughs> bunk bunkers, thank you so much for joining us on this adventure through energy vortices. Um, with that said, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my famished co-host, That's Art. <laughs> um, I don't remember what Art says to end the show, so I'm just going to say bye. I'm Andy Hart saying that was the whole Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Andy Hart saying that. Was the whole enchilada? Now you do a thing where, yeah. like I do. Yummy. Infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.